Hello and welcome to another juicy licious edition of WNK, the weekly AEW news kick. I'm joined as not as always, as every two weeks from now on, my tag team partner Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Hello, hello. Respect to the man in the ice cream van. That was bizarre. That was and <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the new album. I'm so German. I'm listening to Scooter still, so it's awesome. People still listen to Scooter. Still, yes. In Germany, they're a huge thing still. Today I learned, uh, and we are not joined by Jack as we as we uh, established last week. Our hosts, other than me, will be going on a bi-weekly schedule that is every other week, not twice a week, because we don't record that often. And we are joined instead by Hugh. He's from a podcast that he'll probably tell you about because he, n- he never talks about it. It's, yeah, yeah. Coming at you from the Western Bias podcast, you lucky people are being joined by Hugh Jones tonight. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> now, Jack insisted we give him a tribute uh, the same as Patrick got last week. So we will give him all of three seconds. That'll do. We uh, we do miss Jack, <laughs> just like we miss Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. But but life also, moves on. The fact that you uh, noticed that I'm gone, but not your brother every two weeks. That was just so heartwarming to hear when I listened mm. to the episode. I think it's more indicative of the fact I don't read our group chats <laughs> than, yeah, than that I care about one person more than the other. I can prove, like, what was it, this morning, two times or so? <laughs> yeah, someone in the someone in the chat was like, Mara Ranello is, is, uh, is commentating on um, on the Kenny omega Rich One match, and, and then I completely ignored it and said the exact same thing a few hours later. A, yeah, yeah right. it's a defining thing about our group chat is, like, 80% of us aren't reading it. So, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Fair. And uh, yeah, what's everyone been up to this week? Not much, really. COVID is going down in Iceland again. This is good. That is so, good. I think it seems yeah. to be going down everywhere. Yeah. But I think yeah. like like everyone else, we were very busy with with all the resting news that came upon us and everything that happened the last week in resting. It was quite a lot to digest. Yeah, I haven't, uh, haven't really got time to talk about our personal lives this week because we've got so much wrestling to... Yeah. Um, to get into, uh, which is merciful because Hugh doesn't have a personal life. So no, but I am leaving in an hour because the comedy clubs have reopened thanks to that COVID thing. Well, they, they so I'm go. doing a show. So yeah, so. yeah, but yeah, there's so much news. There's no way I could even make it to the end, even if I didn't have a comedy show. I think yes, Hugh will only be joining us for just an hour, so that is a shame. But let's launch into breaking news. Our breaking news this week is the big releases. I think it has to be said. I mean, there's there's a lot to pick from, but I think we have to go with the big releases from WWE. Um, Samoa Joe, that's being the uh, being the marquee release. The Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, Tucker, Kalisto, Mojo Rawley, Wesley Blake, and Bo Dallas were all released from WWE. It does seem to have slowed down now. There doesn't seem to be any more announcements. But um, are there anyone you're surprised with on this list? Let's go guess first. Let's go Hugh. Oh, well, Samoa Joe, I guess. Well, I think everyone's surprised with Samoa Joe. Uh, like As Bo, Renee Bo, Bo Dallas Paquette. hasn't been on TV, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Renee Patiquette. She mentioned, um, how do you drop the ball on Samoa Joe? And uh, yeah. CM Punk got in on the act as well. Yeah, yeah. And like Samoa Joe is, I don't know, he's kind of... 
it's weird in a way because he was such a fixture of not WWE for so long because he was a massive guy back in TNA, massive guy in other companies. But now he's been there so long, it's weird to me that they've gone, well, we don't need him anymore. Like He, re- <laughs> like, he really does personify that great promotion, not WWE, for me. <laughs> um, Patrick... Uh, Iconics are a bit of a surprise, I think, as well, aren't they? With um, with how popular they are amongst the uh, Smarky Smarks. Yeah, definitely. So, apart from Samoa Joe, which was the biggest surprise for me, I didn't like. They had him still on commentary on WrestleMania. He was commentator on Raw, like for for I don't know half a year, year now, and then uh, which is also interesting now. So he got. Uh, pushed on Monday yeah on Monday he didn't uh, he wasn't at the commentary desk instead was Corey Graves who's usually on Smackdown and then surprise surprise today they announced Pat McAfee is gonna join Michael Cole now for commentary on Smackdown I saw that yeah yeah so this this is kind of weird but also the Iconics like I'm like they of course they weren't in ring they weren't great but they were really entertaining even for me not watching WWE regularly but like I'm these small bits and vid- on videos like on, on on social media or YouTube, I watched every once in a while because they were just entertaining. Can I can I interject and ask who Pat McAfee is? <laughs> uh, this this <laughs> so, guy like that maybe Tom can help me out there. I don't, don't know if does he have a podcast or talk show or whatever. Like he had a feud with uh, Adam Cole. I as far as I'm aware, as far as I'm aware, he played some other sport. And now ah. he doesn't play some other sport. Was it American football? Or I mean, most of them there are. But yeah, right. Like, um, <laughs> I'm look it up. When when you said that, I was like, "Isn't that the guy, the crazy guy with the antivirus?" I was like, "No, that's John McAfee." <laughs> so then <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I don't know who that is, but okay, he played something like baseball, basically." I feel like Joe Rogan with that little. He's got that little dude who pulls up all the information and videos for him. That's what Jamie's doing right now. Pull that shit up for me, Jamie. So. You have a try, American DMT, sports analyst, journalist, <laughs> podcaster, professional wrestler, and former American football Boom! punter and oh. kickoff specialist. So he, oh. <laughs> that's just something else. So, so that's okay. More, so like he was. I, I was. I was half right. He was. Uh, he was, yeah. he was <laughs> sort of involved in it. But yeah, he's uh, he's comes from the world of American hand egg. He actually seems pretty dope. I caught like a clip of him at a takeover, and. Um, Seems pretty, pretty, pretty good wrestler. Um, I don't know if he's, he's is he still competing on NXT. I really don't keep up with that product, so not regularly. But I just looked like he signed to the NXT brand or at least to WWE. Then probably now to SmackDown, of course, or the main brand. The death sentence. At least it's SmackDown, not Raw. I hear that that's better somehow. Um, yeah. I think I think them splitting up the Iconics to come back to your point in the first place is pretty indicative of the fact they never got them. Do you know what I mean? Or the people beyond NXT never really got the Iconics. Yeah, that's, and their that's, appeal. It was just like, yeah, sorry, but it, it was just like when when they split them up, everyone was like, oh, okay, where does that make sense? So, and now they're releasing them, then you're like, yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. Like also business wise, or uh, I don't know. Do you think well, it's this- so? I would say. Like, this is happening a lot when someone comes from NXT and they go up. People go, oh, they don't give them on the main brand. Do you think NXT, in a way, is not that efficient at training someone for the WWE product because it's a better and different product? <laughs> like, That's very know. true. No, it's very true. Um, but I think... Here's the thing. I think who, even the people who watch the main WWE product 
don't want the main WWE product. They just they go on Squared Circle, they go on they Facebook, you know, they talk and they complain about it or Twitter, no, not not Facebook, Twitter, um, and they you know they bitch about it and say you know I think the Raw just gone. I've heard a lot of people say it was the worst Raw they've seen in the what it was the Raw after WrestleMania as well, and they're calling it the worst Raw they've seen in years and years and years. I think. Like they for the past, I think I saw a statistic from like five years. They've seen their viewership numbers steadily decline, um, and me among them, people have just left in droves and like said because it's just Stockholm syndrome at some point, and it, it takes you. It, it's taken people years of just of just being treated like idiots and treated like like and just wanting a product that they're not getting, and there and then and then eventually like fuck it, you know. It it takes realizing there's other big budget promotions, yeah. and I think AEW's done that in a way, and I know Vince. Vince gives off that vibe that he is not worried about AEW, and I think I think coming out of the Stone Cold Chris Jericho podcast, there was some something about that. Like Vince isn't concerned about AEW. Right, he seemed right. more convinced. He seemed more convinced. He he seemed more concerned about TNA back in the day with how saying their name was banned and you couldn't acknowledge them, and it was just again to to borrow the German phrase verboten TNA was but AEW not so much and I don't know if it's in his age and he's getting cocky but AEW is far more of a threat now that I mean I'm not going to say it's a viable threat although they did just break a million this week didn't they they got about 1.2 million 1.2 million just for the second biggest rating ever yeah and they were number two in the demographics on that day so and I don't know I I think I read it but I'm not sure I read that they were better almost better in the demographics for the age group than uh, than Raw that's insane. So yeah, they are a they are a bigger threat to WWE than yeah. TNA ever was. Do you know what I mean? And yet he was so so paranoid about TNA and so jaded about them, and and he just doesn't give a shit about AEW. And it's like you should be giving a shit about AEW, well, man. And you should thing be as well. Like I, yeah. as someone who's only who for a long time I didn't even watch WWE. I'm old enough that WCW was an option for a period for me, right? I didn't watch it then. Mm. I only watched WWE. I went away for a while. I saw some TNA and I liked it. For a long period, I thought I just stopped liking wrestling. Well, maybe I've I seen that. I've seen that so much. I've seen that so much. So many people thinking they've stopped enjoying wrestling, and then they see New Japan, or they see AEW, or they see um, DDT. Even I mean, nobody sees DDT unless they go looking for it. To be honest with you, but um, unless you're in what was the country you said you saw DDT? Was it Taiwan? You're in and you saw DDT on the cut. Uh, Hugh, um, uh, it you wasn't saw DDT, DDT on the television. Wasn't- uh, I think I did see DDT was Noah. very much. It was Noah. I saw a lot yeah. of Noah. And I was like, oh, I really like this. This is great. Yeah. You know. But but someone's, you know, they stumble across this stuff and they're like, oh, this is this is, uh, this is is bringing back my love of pro wrestling. It's like, oh, that's so sad because your love of pro wrestling never had to go away. Pro wrestling never changed. WWE just didn't evolve. Do you know what I mean? Or it did change, but... Do you know, I, I don't know what I'm was, trying to say, but yeah, just... but they, actually, that was my complete thing. Why I stopped wrestling in uh, in first place, like around 2009, 2010, because yeah. it's just. Of course, then came all the CM Punk thing afterwards, which was like great to, to see it in retrospective. But I started watching Until again. Dwayne it, came and destroyed him. Yeah, <laughs> but I really started watching it then in 2015 again, when they were building up the NXT brand again. When takeover brooklyn came when they made uh breaking ground as a show on their network and so which got me involved again because it was different than the main product they maybe uh dug their own grave a little bit getting uh some people kind of addicted to the indie style of wrestling because nxt kind of became king of the indies in the place of ring of honor for a while and then everyone got all these fans got addicted to this style and then they just don't follow they just don't continue giving it when their favorite wrestlers move up so then a brand like AEW comes along and they're doing very pwg style matches and um people like hold on this is 
kind of like NXT, but it's the top tier of, of that promotion. Do you know what I mean? So why don't I just watch this where all my favorite wrestlers aren't going aren't to be bumped up to some bullshit show, which I don't have no interest in watching because it's an inferior product. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost as if it's almost as if AEW, may, you know, AEW wrestlers got quote unquote promoted to dark elevation or some shit that we don't watch. Do you know what I mean? Or, but um, this is an AEW podcast, so let's bring the focus back to AEW. And quickly, before we get off the segment, why don't you each tell me who you think the targets for AEW out of this list of people should be? I think it's potentially every one of them. Realistically, uh, like potentially, I would say every one of them might or might be a potentially showing up at least at, at Elevation Dark. I would say like smaller ones. Maybe they just give them a spotlight there. I read a even, very... Uh, even Bo Dallas. Yeah, I don't think Bo Dallas is that bad like it's uh he, he just they're just even Kalisto. even Cal- yeah Kalisto. i can think of Kalisto coming in there because they have a lot of like lucha things but um thing is like which which is interesting somebody posted that on the aw uh reddit today um wait 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 before sorry i just while i'm still got this train of thought even mojo rawley yeah maybe even mojo rawley <sighs> oh yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't yeah <laughs> Maybe I, I that, that, that's the thing now because what this guy posted there, which was very interesting, that they kind of like uh, I was like, why is a dark elevation now two and a half hours long? But then he said like they're building a library and they're not just building a library; they're just giving these people uh, pr- uh, practice time in front of the camera, just you know, practicing and 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 evolving and everything. Even if they're not signed to the main roster, it's just more like their their build-up show now or their build-up brand. And maybe these people can come in there. I don't know if they want to build that up. But coming back now, I think Samoa Joe is very realistic because he has a lot of friends there, which might give him also a good backstage position. Maybe this is what he's also aiming for in the future. And he would be a very great asset also backstage, I guess. And... I see the Iconics maybe also coming there, at least Peyton Royce, because she is the wife of uh, Sean Spears. So See, see, here's how I look at it. I, I think I don't want them signing, like, having everyone appear. This is the thing. I've seen some people say they should snatch up every one of the women that got released, i.e. the Iconics, Chelsea Green, and Mickey James. And... I I think I think that would be really bad optics. I think it would it would be it's that signing WWE castoffs um reputation they don't want to have. I say Samojo's a given um because he has he has legendary wrestling stats beyond WWE. As Hugh said, he is he was the face of not WWE. Do you know what I mean? So he can easily walk into AEW and there's no sort of you know, WWE cast off vibe about him. He's the guy that they're saying, why did they let this guy go? So they, so these these people can't be hypocrites and say, oh, you're signing WWE cast offs and also be saying, this is a legend, why are you letting him go? Do you know what I mean? So um, the Iconics, though, for me, I think would be better suited to Impact because of their women's tag division, whereas whereas um, whereas AEW doesn't currently have, an, have a women's tag division and they can still appear in AEW then because they've got this working relationship with Impact. And for me, the other one would be Chelsea Green. I think they can sign Chelsea Green because she appeared on All In. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like, it's it's sort of like, I mean, it, it wasn't AEW, but it was AEW. So it's sort of like she was here first. Doesn't kind of feel like a WWE cast off fight because it feels like they discovered her. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, she was established in other promotions and on the indies beforehand. But, that's you know, that's how it feels. So... Mickey James, I could see going to uh, NWA um, with uh, her partner Nick Aldis, and you know having some matches with Serena Deeb, or uh, I think that would be uh, one to watch for. 
everyone else, uh, I, I would, I, I think I would leave to be honest. The Tucker and, um, you know, like you say, maybe bring someone like Kalisto in for a match, but I don't think I'd sign him permanently. Um, I definitely wouldn't sign Mojo Rawley. Are you a, you a Mojo Rawley fan, Hugh? Uh, no, I said it earlier today. I think I don't. I can't put a face to that name. I'm not sure who Mojo <laughs> Rawley is. He is the fr- <laughs> he is the friend of an NFL player called Gronk. Okay, okay, that's, cool. That's oh, I know who, I know who Gronk fame. is. You know, there you go. But uh, yeah, I think the thing is like, um, if you're saying to me who should like, the, which you did, who should did. Uh, who should AEW take? Um, I'm a bit like obviously Samoa Joe. Uh, because I know he could have good matches with everyone at the top end because he already has in a lot of yeah. cases for one thing uh, he had great matches with Daniel Bryan back in the day as well it's not that weird like that's not that different to him coming to AEW and fighting guys of a similar kind of technical caliber you know uh, the rest of them I'm not that aware of so it's a bit like well I, I, you know I love Bo Dallas because he's so silly but I'm, do I want him at AEW well I don't mind if he comes but uh, if I was running the company I, I wouldn't just go, let's grab all of these guys, like you say. And I'd be like, well, we have to do it case by case. And because I don't know anything about anyone apart from Samoa Joe. <laughs> I've got last, to say Samoa Joe. <laughs> That's it, really. You know. Last word on this. And I'll close this out by giving a statement and then a question. Samoa Joe has put on Twitter that he is looking uh, at options to get out of his 90-day non-compete agreement. My question is, when is the G1 Climax? <laughs> when does the G1 climax start? Give us some Joe in the G1 climax. Put it into my veins. That Wait, is what is I would exactly like. Exactly 90 days June, away. Because that'd be I perfect. think it's in June or July. It it is June, July around that time. So yeah, it's so you know if he's saying I want to get out of my 90 day non compete, it's like you that know is actually... he is he is he trying to get is he trying to get into something that is within 90 no. days starting within 90 days? Oh, he that just wants to get out and wrestle. Though, like, you know? Yeah. Well, I know. I know. I know. I know. The but... thing is, like, also, like, I look yesterday in his uh, Wikipedia article, and then it's like he hasn't been cleared yet from like from a concussion he had like last year, and yeah. I don't don't know why. What like, yeah, the the WWE doctors didn't seem to clear him, but for not the first case that they don't clear him, but they are cleared everywhere else. So, thing but is, AEW AEW is going to have an angle from in three months. Yeah. And you, uh, the G one climax is going to have to wait another year, and I I really want to see that, and I know a lot of people want to see that, and I want I, that's something I think he needs to take off his box before the end of his career. I'd love to see, honestly, some of the matches he'd have would just be dream matches. I could picture him though saying, "I will come to AEW, but first I'm going to go to New Japan for a while." I could yeah. imagine him going, "You know what? I haven't." punched the shit out of anyone for a while like, yeah I haven't, hit, I haven't hit anyone so hard they turn red for about three years so i'm gonna go and do that you know just one thing as i read yesterday the wikipedia article it was just so interesting to read i didn't know that how less wwe is appreciating Samoa Joe. when he came there he wasn't fully signed first they let him like as a as an independent <laughs> contractor which they are still but you know he wasn't fully signed or exclusively signed to the wwe uh, but they signed him after a while when his merchandise sales were skyrocketing and they're like oh maybe that guy is something big so they vince or whoever they didn't know who he was on the indies back then and this is how he gets treated now vince, vince didn't know who aj styles was either it's wild yeah. like right like, this dude this dude legit doesn't watch wrestling like i i don't understand how people i mean i don't understand how people defend just like being the the biggest company in pro wrestling and putting on shows and obs you know just 
hating pro wrestling. This dude despises pro wrestling. He's putting on a pro wrestling product. It doesn't make sense. I don't think it's sustainable either when you're getting smarter and smarter fans. Speaking of smarter and smarter fans, let's be all smarky and talk about Dynamite. Opening the show, we had the Young Bucks defending their actions from last week. They were they were giving an explanation. Matt was the one cutting the promo. They thanked John Moxley for bringing this out of them. Said they're more than a club that throws up hand gesture now. They're a family that hug. They say Don Callis was right. Bringing, but he they they said they're bringing back the old Young Bucks, and uh, we had a little shot of them trimming their tassels. But they also said they're bringing back you know uh, newer versions of the Young Bucks. So it's the old Young Bucks, but it's the new Young Bucks. There, that we're going to see, uh, you know, an updated, upgraded Young Bucks. What did you think of this promo specifically, Patrick? Um, very cool start to the show, to be honest. Like being thrown into that just. Like like as a, as a clean transition from last week without like a big intro or anything, um, yeah, which is just, just great. And I think it's it's just a great start to the show. <laughs> I don't want to talk actually too much about it now because there's so much more coming in the show where we can come back to that. Hugh, that means you get to talk about the Mike Tyson promo. Uh, Mike Tyson, they they took it to the back and. Uh, you know, for an interview with Mike Tyson, he was talking to the camera, and you could call it an interview a promo. But then MJF uh, swiftly interrupted him, mentioned how he was barely born when Mike was on top, but he's heard his dad tell stories. Uh, makes it clear that he's not asking Tyson to cheat, just beyond the uh, right side of history. Um, he alludes to the fact that Mike has already made a big mistake with a tattoo <laughs> on his face, and um, offers him a blank check. And then Mike Tyson tore it up and ate it and spat it back at him because of course he did because he's Mike Tyson he's fucking psychotic um, yep. did this yeah. uh, did this did this do a lot for you did this uh, get you hyped oh, it was fine it didn't give me that hyped but it, it wasn't bad I haven't got I wouldn't be negative about it but I wasn't like yay the match is happening but I was a bit like I don't know I, I sort of liked the way they, they sold it and the way MJF kind of came in and was like here have a check <laughs> and like, was like, I don't know who you are, by the way. But, but, I will. Uh, uh, I didn't. I, I was. It didn't really add much to my anticipation of the match. You know. I will but, say yeah. though, this was the first time I noticed the. I mean, the the fake crowd noise. I I'd never noticed them pumping mm-hmm. in fake crowd noise before until this week. So I don't know how many times they've done it, but they were definitely doing it this week because the fake crowd noise, especially during this promo, was obnoxious. It was so um the the instant like cheer boos at everything somebody said was you know the the sound of someone pressing a button when uh, people said things was just so jarring and it continued on into the beginning of the first match to be honest distracting me yeah yeah um but yeah I, again it's not something i noticed i don't know how often they'd i'm sure patrick will tell me if he's noticed it before but i'm i uh i've never noticed them using fake crowd noise before i know they do on impact but um they were definitely they were definitely using fake crowd noise because there was no crowd there uh there was there was their their standing crowd but there wasn't uh there wasn't fans in the rafters, so odd. Then our first match of the evening was the Young Bucks versus Pac and Ray Phoenix. Man alive, was this a match, Patrick? Just wow! I like. I read also a discussion today. If it was because Dave Meltzer gave it a five star, if it was a five star, or I anything. I don't. I here's the thing. I Dave. I I 
Dave, I like matches that Dave. T- I seem to like matches that Dave seems to like, and I seem to dislike matches he seems to dislike. We seem to have the same tastes, although I see why people give him criticism when he gives this match a five star because this was an amazing match. It was an amazing match, but I don't think it was five. It was it was a it was a four point seven five tops. I yeah. think it. I, exactly I, it for was me as well. There was yeah. just a bit missing, although it was just a also- bit. It just wasn't because he's he's forgetting that five is with. I think with this six star, seven, eight star rating yeah. shit. Like <laughs> I think he's forgetting that five star was originally supposed to mean this is a perfect wrestling match, and this was an incredible wrestling match. It was a match of the year candidate wrestling match. It wasn't a perfect wrestling match. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I've seen I've seen I've seen a bona fide five star this year, and that was. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Ospreay and um, arguably Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi as well. I wouldn't have given the um, the title match Will Ospreay versus Kotobushi one. Also, um, Thingy came close as well. The uh, the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match came close to uh, a perfect match for me, and that had more more emotion in it. I think that's probably the thing that this match was missing an emotional exactly. emotional that's backbone to it between the two teams. Mi- it was missing for me there, so that's the thing. But still, awesome match. Really but like it. it so well paced. Like, so, yeah, so the well spots, paced. the spots, the spots were always going to be good. But the the yeah. storytelling within the match and the spots was. Yeah, wow. And I also said to you, like, what is, what is Phoenix doing all week at home? Does he have like a like a, a WWE 2K game or anywhere he, you can just create? <laughs> you can just create moves, and he's yeah. just creating new moves just to have every week a new move. That was just amazing. And also uh, here, I, I have some nice uh, notes, maybe just just for you. I I noticed the first thing, yeah that uh, the death triangle were coming out of the face tunnel and the bucks of course coming out of the heel tunnel but the bucks and this is what i saw from simon the miller heel corner yeah the bucks corner. yeah first of all they were coming out of the heel tunnel oh, sorry yeah yeah the entrance tunnel and then right and then the corner so the bucks were standing in the heel corner the first time when you had I, a tech this team was match. the first time i learned that there was a Me face too. and heel corner yeah I knew right face and heel tunnel and in the but... beginning of the match matt was just uh, no sorry nick was just standing in the uh, face corner and just wanted to tag in with who was it with pack i think yeah it was, and no, it was, then Phoenix, he was like um, oh I cannot tag with him. It was okay. I, I've I've got written it down was it was Phoenix. Matt went to meant I've got it written down that it was Matt went to tag in Phoenix, oh, not yeah, Nick went Matt. to tag him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So like, yeah, yeah he, he was confused, and then also was the first time when I realized that. And yeah, just also what I want to say now, connecting to uh, the start of the show, like uh, now this this whole heel thing there, just pulling it through. Also that uh, Don Callis uh, came with them out, like as their manager. Uh, what the, the 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 gear they're wearing now when they're coming white out, and look gray like, monochrome. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. like uh, this uh, uh, Dior uh, uh, sh- Nike shoes they're wearing. Like this, completely. And they chanted, "Those posh. are fake." The crowd. Yeah, it, it was so posh, ugly things they were wearing. They looked like Elvis before he died. Also, like with with <laughs> with their weird suits and everything. So it was nicely constructed also around. And uh, yeah, it's just the thing that really uh, was 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 missing uh, were the emotions in that. But. The emotions came in more to the end of the match, of course, when uh, Ray Phoenix was unmasked and they used that to screw him for the finish. Uh, but I think that it's getting there. I don't know if you guys read that. Also, like it was on Ray Phoenix Instagram. He said like uh, that he was, of course, upset and blah, blah, blah. And next time I want to ch- like something like this, I want to challenge you for a, a hair versus a mask match last time or the next time or anything like that. And uh, Nick responded to that also that he would be up for that. So that's potentially something for the future. 
I'll give you my play-by-play and then we'll come to Hugh. Um, yeah, you've covered a lot of it because you're stealing notes, trying to bust up my... Stealing notes? <laughs> There's a Freudian slip. You are yes. writing notes trying to steal my spot. There we go. Um, yeah, no, they came out, uh, as you as you said, in the uh, with Don Callis wearing, wearing that new attire. Um, Matt and Pac started off with some nice chain wrestling. As you say, Matt went to tag in Phoenix, but he was in the wrong corner. Uh, Nick and Phoenix uh, get in. Lots of avoiding each other's moves with style. Do you know what I mean? Lots of flashy reversals until Nick takes Phoenix down with a uh, run-of-the-mill clothesline. So that I, I, I like that. We uh, got a shot of SCU, Butcher and Blade, Jurassic Express, and Best Friends watching on, like showing us the, uh, the potential. Where you can see the crowd is clearly empty, by the way, <laughs> on this shot. Uh, Phoenix brings it back. He and Pac hit flying moves to the outside. Um, they dominate for a while until the Bucks come back. Nicky, Nick starts cocky grinning at the camera, um, being like super heel, which I liked. They're, I mean, they're natural dickheads, to be honest. And this is when he showed off his uh, Dior shoes. Uh, Matt's in and he's throwing the heel moves in as well with the back rake. Um, he double hip tosses uh, Phoenix into the ropes. Um, Phoenix reverses, almost hits a hot tag to Pack, comes in blazing or oh, not almost hits hot tag sorry it was almost a hot tag but it wasn't quite a hot tag uh to pack who comes in and hits a couple of nice moves um jr compared pack to dynamite kid here which here's the thing jr has a tendency i think to when someone asks him who does he remind you of i don't know if you notice this he always goes for ethnicity or race or um or like their nationality so like if, if, even if they're nothing alike so like who does phoenix remind you of? oh eddie guerrero do you know what i mean it's like and he did the same it's like i don't think i don't think pack and dynamite kid are that alike i think i think chris benoit daniel bryan and dynamite kid are all very similar wrestlers but i wouldn't include pack in that but pack's english so of course he reminds him of dynamite kid um more heel work from the bucks on the outside and they did those power bombs on the apron uh, at this point Callis said we were seeing the real young bucks um nick more heel work did a bent the rules to keep pack in the corner so he was holding him but not quite for the five letting go then holding him again um matt teases a big move but just hits like another back rake so he was like doing the flips like saying oh you want those young bucks fuck you here's here's a back rake um uh, we got a commercial break and it was rest hold time with matt locking in a headlock um I've got I've got so much written about this match. Um, I, I I'll just go. I tell you what. I'll just go for the uh, the the greatest hits because I mean there's so much. Uh, but I don't know if you remember the um, poison ranas on the outside. That that was uh, ridiculous. Um, they uh, I think it was Phoenix and Nick both went both went for poison ranas and they were like they did this before in the. Do you remember the uh, Young Bucks Lucha Bros match where? Um, uh, during the Escalera de la Muerte, where they were both like daring each other to take out their, you know, their brothers, you know what I mean, through the tables. It sort of reminded me of that with the uh, Poison Runners, like, I'm going to take out your guy, you take out my guy. Um, cut towards the end of the match, there was uh, more great tag work from the Death Triangle, there's a thrust kick, this is when they started kind of dominating again before the end. Um, there's a thrust kick, wheelbarrow, blue thunderbomb combination, if I can say that. <laughs> um, with a near fall and Pack went for that deadlift German suplex where Phoenix ran along the ropes to kind of break break Matt off the ropes um, then hit a picture perfect tope to Nick Jackson on the outside um, Pack and Matt Jackson were trading strikes in the middle of the ring um, oh oh, there's an outside in cutter on Nick from Phoenix on the outside he went from, from the crowd jumped over the uh, barricade and gave him a cutter um 
All men were down outside and they started the count. Phoenix is first up, rolls in Matt, packs in two and positions Matt on the turnbuckle. Beautiful avalanche brain buster, frog, spl frog splash from Phoenix. And then Pack hits the black arrow um, and goes to pin. Ray Phoenix tries to hold Nick back from breaking up, but Nick muscles him into the into the break. Um, Nick drags Matt to the corner to tag himself in. Eats a boot from Pack, gets caught in a German suplex hold, but then hits the low blow, and uh, Nick unmasks Phoenix, and they hit the double super kick for the pin. Whew, I did it! I made it through. Hugh, give me give me a break and tell me what you thought of this match. That was good, man. <laughs> I don't know. You've sort of, you guys have sort of covered it, but no. I had, to, I had to skip a big chunk in the middle. If you want to cover yeah, that, if you remember any of it, but there was it, it was it was it was a ride. I, I couldn't leave anything out. Incredible detail, but it was a great match. It was really good. Uh, a decent length as well. Like it was it was uh, longer than your average starting match on a dynamite. Um, it, it had to be, didn't it? It yeah. was. Uh, yeah. It was. Yeah, I think it was like a, like at least twenty five minutes, maybe even half an hour. But it was like not slow paced really apart from that bit in the break when there's a few rest holds uh yeah. great heel work by the books I, I i did love the part where they forgot which corner they were in like well oh, it's such did. a nice touch yeah. and Little and like you like said that. we we learned something that there were face and tag corner yeah, face and heel yeah, corners right? so, yeah and i didn't know that before i guess it made sense now they, when it happened i went oh yeah they've always been in that corner yeah me just too just realized i've just realized and then um i just yeah it was i thought like um a lot of, like you're saying that it's not necessarily a perfect match you wouldn't give five stars but uh i can see why it got five stars yeah i can <laughs> like, see, like, I see why it know. got five stars i i i th yeah. and i think this is the difference is dave Meltzer is no he knows the young bucks personally so i think he is emotionally yeah. invested in every young bucks match that's um, the thing but whereas like whereas we need like a reason a to be emotionally invested yeah something. it's like maybe that's why i gave it yeah, well, maybe that's it. Maybe he gave it like a four point six, and he rounded it up. You know, but I, I did. I think it was a good match. I did. I, I really thought it was great. It was. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, again, like I say, the the length thing. The, it was like this being this length without being boring. Pretty like good. That's impressive. Fantastic. Uh, not many people can actually do it. <laughs> like, like I don't. Like, I don't dislike long matches or anything. But there are a lot of people in wrestling who are ideally in there for ten minutes. Oh, I mean, oh, we'll talk, I think we'll talk change, about change. You know, we'll, they they have to do one length, and the young books can kind of do any length. And the same for Pack and Phoenix, who I think are two of the best in the world right now. So yeah. Well, yeah. we'll talk about one of them later on that I I think can't can't necessarily go thirty minutes. Next up, we had the ever ever reliable Alex Marvez talking to Hangman Page, or at least he tried to. He tried to ask Hangman Page about Kenny and the Young Bucks, specifically Kenny, as Hangman Page is the number one contender, or number one ranked. Uh, but Hangman dodged the question and instead provided him an unprompted injury update on John Silver, who, uh, well, Hangman Page walked off, and then the rest of the order, uh, the Dark Order, that is, proceeded to cheer on John Silver as he attempted and succeeded to lift his arm up. Um, yeah, I, I love any time these guys are on screen. Uh, I, I assume you do too, Patrick. I mean, who who couldn't? You'd be of crazy, course, you know? Of course, it was such a BTE moment they had there with yeah. John Silver. But um, it was interesting when uh, the question uh, Alex Marvez asked uh, 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 Hangman Page and that he just yeah. ran off, and this reminded me of there's still a rematch about to come or like this mm. not a rematch but this there there will be a clash coming between both of them like at 
some point of the year. I really hope that it's like uh, maybe maybe on the same. Yeah, what, what, which pay per view was it when? Like, was it uh, which was which was the last pay per view when they had the match where Kenny won against Hangman? Um, it wasn't a pay per view. It was uh, it was. Dino, it was it was a um, tournament to crown the number one yeah. contender. Yeah, but it, it was on the pay per view. The final. Oh, was, was, oh the, the final was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, full gear. Yeah, there full gear. Go. Sorry, full gear. Maybe it will be on full gear. But so yeah, that was just a nice reminder. But just they'd have to draw it out because it would have to go past double or nothing and all out and then to full gear. I think it'll probably yeah. do it before then because he's number yeah, one contender now, isn't he? So no, he's not. But yeah, let's see first like what happens also with uh, with Kenny. Uh, next weekend when uh, the Impact pay-per-view is, is about to go off. So let's see what happens there. So then Alex Marvez, again, that boy gets around, talks to the Inner Circle and Mike Tyson. Chris Jericho said he's no longer rivals with Mike Tyson and that after the pineapple, and Sammy corrects him again as the pinnacle, uh, kind of rocked them into a face turn that Jericho's been... Um, been calling people and apologizing for all the bad things he's done and um interestingly he did he did go on and uh he claimed responsibility for dax getting all those stitches uh, which we didn't actually see what happened to dax we saw him getting stabbed with the the chair thing piece the piece of wood but he was already bloodied at that point so um, apparently chris jericho did that um uh, Mike Tyson said he's firm but fair. He's going to call it straight down the middle. He considers Jericho a friend, but will not hesitate to knock him out. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I really—they're very face, aren't they? With their, I mean, it, I think even in wrestling, even on face turns, it's quite rare to see people so apologetic after 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 being heel and then a face turn because it's his second, you know week in a row he's issued what amounts to almost a formal apology i like it though it's really endearing me to the inner circle i'm really i'm really i'm buying into the inner circle i said this last week i said it again I said it's both you, you and jack um yeah they're, they're, they're feeling pretty hot right now right yeah that was interesting maybe they got like the inner circle got cleaned through the process with mjf trying to betray them or so i don't want to make any biblical references too much or so <laughs> how this could have been with the reference to judas uh, but yeah that's interesting also that he's uh, uh he said the first guy he called because he was so sorry is <laughs> mike tyson of course yeah, yeah of course he did something that yeah, bad to right. mike tyson compared yeah, to the other also, people he's done things to way worse way worse but okay that was, that was just nice and uh i like how they are now turning face um yeah, people are really rooting. Like, I'm also now really rooting for them. Uh, and this will be interesting coming to the Blood and Guts match then. Uh, yeah, how this will this will come apart. And yeah, also Mike Tyson. I think Mike Tyson, of course, like with his voice, like, yeah, I'm going to be a third if I can be. You know, he talks like <laughs> this, but he's the legit worst man in the world, like the baddest man on the planet. He talks like this every time. But still, I love him on the mic and I, I love to, to see him. I don't know. He's just, uh, although he's a little fucked up, but he's just uh, like a sympathetic guy. Like I, I really like to see him. So that, his, that was nice backstage segment, really. His speech impediment makes him more intimidating to me. <laughs> like, <it's, Yeah. laughs> uh, I don't know if you ever seen him in The Hangover when um, when he sees uh, uh, Alan pretending to shag his tiger on the CCTV, and then um, Alan's like, "I'll just go wait in the car." He's like, "I think that's for the best, Alan." And he's like, yeah, really right. angry. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Next up, we had Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill. 
Um, this was Jade Cargill's second televised match ever. Um, I wrote down, and it did, thankfully. I wrote down, hopefully this one will last over two minutes. Because um, her first one was a squash match. Her second match, we actually didn't see it. It was on House Always Wins. Which actually, apparently, was recorded after yeah. this. According right. to Cage Match, it was recorded oh, okay. the day after. It was recorded the day after this Dynamite. Because this was okay. pre-recorded. Apparently, it was recorded. Yeah. So, all that stuff, they were like... Um, so, so them saying Jay Cargill's had X amount of matches w- wasn't actually true at that point on commentary, and uh, them showing uh, like you know Pen uh, not Penta well yeah Penta was there as well Penta um, Phoenix and Pack um, clearing out the Bucks and and then celebrating with the titles like we're going to take these they'd already lost the title match at that point <laughs> so how wild okay, is that I mean okay. I mean I might be wrong but this is according to Cage Match on the dates they were they were recorded so apparently it was recorded the day after the House Always Wins was. Than this okay, dynamite. That's interesting. On, on that's, the WrestleMania evening, even so, that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's really breaking, interesting. Uh, breaking my breaking my immersion worse than when uh, the, the women's uh, tag match in WWE during uh, COVID when they. Do you ever see that footage? There was a, I, all I remember was it involved Bailey, but they were wrestling and they didn't. It was live. I believe, and they didn't wrestle during the break because because there were no fans there, was there? So they didn't they didn't they didn't wrestle during the break, but they leaked uh, images of the cameras yeah, during the break. Right. So they were all wrestling, and they're like, and cut, and then yeah. they just like stopped, and they're walking around like, oh, you're doing really well, like blah, 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 going over and pep talking to each other. I was like, no, my brain can't handle oh it. It's kayfabe. Yeah, right, right. And like this is a similar thing. Like I just gotta, you know, it's. Uh, you know, then interesting yeah. that also that uh, it makes sense then uh, that John Moxley wasn't at the show or so. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, back on topic is Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill. Um, Jr. Again, this was this was all before the match, um, and I will say I will say now she did change my mind a little bit from how I've been feeling about uh, Jade Cargill during this match. However, Jr. did mention how she's AW's maybe AW's highest paid rookie ever, and it's like like it just it's wild to me how they bought into her so much before she's even wrestled more than two minutes in a match. And I was, even though she's she had a decent show in this match, I stand by that that it's crazy to buy into someone so much that's had two at this point actually one singles professional wrestling match ever and it lasted about just over a minute you know i i think it's crazy to buy into someone based on that but you know they, they'd obviously seen something in training so um I'll just give you a play-by-play because it's not a very long one uh red velvet laid in the shots um until jade kind of came back with a really nice bicycle kick and that was when i was like okay no maybe maybe we're about to see something here um she went for a pump handle slam Red Velvet escaped and hit her with a super kick. I love Red Velvet, just FYI. Um, I kind of feel bad that she has to, you know, put over Jade Cargo in this um, this rivalry because she really has been working at it because she's had this whole all these matches on dark like a shit ton of them. Um, she uh, lured Jade Cargo into a tumble over the ropes to the outside and hit a tope suicida. Um, she kept pressure on, but Jade fought, fought back and hit a fall away slam on Red Velvet into the. Over the over the barricade into the crowd, which was probably the spot of this match. Um, Velvet was working against the count to get back in, but got back into the apron only to be caught in a kind of delayed suplex. Jade got her up and then held her up in the air, like Goldberg style. Um, really nice straight lines, to be honest on that. It was quite nice. Everything Jade Cargo did was nice. I'm, I'm, I won't say I'm, I'm, I'm converted, but she's getting me there. Um... We cut to a commercial break, and Jade did the typical corner isolation, um, then threw it to the other corner and hit a kind of guillotine on the ropes. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, oh, actually, during this match, I wrote down commentary said that Anthony Agogo, and it's a shame Hughes left us because it, this is about a later match, obviously, but commentary said Anthony Agogo is a major star in the UK. He's not a major star in the UK. <laughs> um, then we had a set-out powerbomb from Jay Cargill, came back to the break to a fantastic Enziguri from Red Velvet. Um, and she'd fought back during the part of the break they didn't show on fight. Flying Lariat from Red Velvet, Casadora into a face buster. Red Velvet taunted and hit the standing moonsault. She went for a pin, Cargo kicked out, so she went for a bigger moonsault. I like that, that she went for the standing moonsault. It didn't work, so she went for a proper moonsault. But Cargo got out of the way, hit the jaded. And it was a bit of an abrupt finish, and that was actually the word they used on commentary. It was an abrupt finish to what I thought was a good sh- good, good match for a short match. Um, but I think the finish did spoil it a little bit because it was it was just, you know, out of nowhere um, and not in the good RKO way. But, uh, yeah, thoughts on this match? Yeah, I'll just, just jump in like you said before uh, because you said a reference like, yeah, they're not even lasting two minutes. So you're like, yeah, they, they lasted longer and then abruptly it was gone. So <laughs> I don't want to make too much sex references here, but it was <laughs> just... An, <laughs> it was Maybe just, you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really abrupt ending to the match which was quite good and was building and got me a little also invested although I'm not very keen of Jade Cargill but she was also doing very good mostly of course Red Velvet was better of both both of them in the ring but uh, it was really good and then out of nowhere it's yeah what is it called like wheelbarrow face face buster is her finish the jaded the jaded yeah and then I was like yeah okay now it's gone like it's there was so much build up just one one move and then it's over so that left it left a little bittersweet taste in my mouth for me but uh, it brings potential for the future if that's just like like a weekly match that's fine and you know what I saw good things from Jake I didn't see one one thing that gave me cause for concern from Jake yeah, I'd definitely. like to see more of her I'd like to see yeah, longer matches I'd definitely. like to see you know and I you know I never I obviously I never doubted her wrestling ability my main problem with her is I hadn't seen her wrestling and nobody had seen her wrestling they'd seen her in a one minute squash match where she hit like two moves and if that and it's like you know it was the fact that they were pushing so hard this person that was a total unknown it was like and and her entry into AEW was very confusing as well do you know what I mean? Her cutting the promo on Cody is a relative unknown. It was a relative nobody viewer. It was, it was so bizarre. It was like, who is this? Like, um, so yeah, I, I think they kind of mishandled her introduction, but I, I hope for her to win me back with some wrestling. Next up, we had Tony Schiavone talking to Dr. Britt Baker, a DMD. And Britt had an update on the rankings, claims that she should go up the ranking system due to Red Velvet's loss. Um, and then she advertises elevation again. Is Britt Baker, it's very weird for me that she has become like the spokesperson for Dark Elevation. Um, I thought, you know, I thought maybe they would use that match with Thunder Rosa arguably their match of the year, although tonight's tag match gave them some competition, as a kind of platform to Britt Baker to really, really go for, you know, the the top title and, and to to take her throne, if you will, as uh, the face of AEW's women's division. But um, it seems she's become the face of AEW's dark elevation division like and she's like she's like you can see me there this week you can see and she's i don't know it's this is like the second or third promo she's cut about go and watch dark elevation and it's it's weird i don't know what's going on here yeah maybe it's just also what 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 jack said also 
a lot of times before that it just seems that it's there uh, the, these shows like Dark and Dark Elevation just there for the ranking system to to boost somebody's uh, uh, stats than really like mm -hmm. wins and losses and this is what it seems like what she announced also now look there I'm gonna have another win at Elevation you can see me just there and then she will get back to Dynamite when she has enough wins uh, hopefully no losses and then maybe challenge Shida or maybe take Conti whoever will be the champion after next week's match but uh, yeah that's, it, it's also just a weird promo, promo for that always like hyping the product like this um, because she is legitimately like uh, on Dynamite or should be on Dynamite she's she's a she's a top heel like not the top heel she's the face of the women's division for me at the moment so next up we had Anthony Agogo versus Cole Carter now I don't have I mean what to say about this match okay so in the middle of a good dynamite we had this strange showpiece so first off he comes out i kind of i kind of like the music it, he's got like this gangster vibe going on do you know what i mean like this london gangster vibe and the music kind of goes with that and you know um and the governor you know we'll focus on the positives the music and him being called the governor it's uh i like that shit that's good shit the negatives first off they build him from the east of england do you realize how insulting that is as someone <laughs> from England? That like, how would you're from Germany? What they could, actually no, that doesn't work because that would be that would be like a stereotypical eighties WWF villain from East Germany. Yeah, right. Um, right, no, right. But it would but, still okay, be a so, villain like maybe nowadays from okay, Eastern Germany, but, but yeah. But no, yeah, exactly. So I can't really use East West Germany. But for instance, if they said from North Germany, you'd be like, motherfucker, Germany is a huge country. Like yeah, there right, are many like, places in Germany. North North is like, like in, in the north you have like i would say one fourth of the country covered if you say that yeah but they've got english wrestlers that they build from their actual city so why is he being they've got where, kip where sabian they've actually? got pack where is he I've, from I've, I've no idea i'll have to look it okay. up I'm, ass I'm assuming london based on the gimmick but i you know um why not just say london then because people know that it's, it's weird man um we he entered with, as I like to call them, because, I mean, they do have a name, but I don't think it's an official set-in-stone name, so I just like to call them Cuties Cuties. Um, he entered with... Um, he had the Olympic rings on his attire, so to remind us that he was indeed in the Olympics. Um, they locked up, Agogo went behind, hit the body shot for a referee stoppage. Weird. Um, because, right, I get what they're going for, right? because he was a boxer so he's hit him so hard it has to be stopped sell it better then because we've seen people get hurt way worse than this and not been stopped not had a stoppage do you know what i mean he was rolling around how many times have you seen people rolling around? we had a fucking barbed wire explosives match <laughs> that wasn't an unsanctioned match and that didn't get a stoppage when people are covered in fucking blood and like do you know what i mean like wait how is this the bucks, referee's the bucks kicked uh, uh, Phoenix so many times in the stomach in the match. Yeah, yeah like really exactly. not not lit, not not like super kick, like literally like full throttle in in the stomach or but, somewhere else. And then I was also like, what is this now? Like the the Judas effect on. knocks people out cold every yeah. time you hit every time Chris yeah. Jericho hits it, and they still let him get the pin in. Do you know what I mean? This was a bizarre choice of booking. This was a bizarre. I I understand the intent. I don't think they thought about it in practice because this just this was weird it was just this was rubbish like this yeah. it was really like actually to be honest it was one of the the worst segments ever shown on AEW like this Oof. match it was just yeah. complete nonsense and just nonsense. nonsense is the word yeah, yeah. 
and uh, he comes from uh, Lowestoft, Lowestoft, England. Like it's in in Suffolk. Suffolk. That's why they had to say there's <laughs> no, no way they can say that in American. Well, they can't say they can't say that in American accent. Yeah. Be, they could have said Suffolk. They could have said Suffolk. They could have said the county rather than the town. Yeah. They could have said yeah. Suffolk, England. From Suffolk, yeah. East Suffolk, England, or so yeah. like uh, something like this. Because I yeah. think don't they say yeah? No, they could have just given the county, but the east of England. They got to change that shit, man. Or just bill, bill him from a fake place. I mean, yeah. say he's from London. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> Next up, we had a promo from Miro. He called out Kip Sabian for not showing up, speaking of Englishmen who get billed from their correct cities. Um, and he, uh, Miro said he's moving on with or without him. And he tells all the champs, I assume not including Hikaru Shida, that he's coming for gold and suggests that they pull a Kip and disappear. Um, not much to say about this, but I, I can see Miro getting a title very soon. I can see them booking him as the kind of, you've overlooked this guy, and he's just, you know, steamrolls his way to perhaps the TNT title. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, He's the one who could tear apart now uh, uh, Darby Allen. Allen completely. I think we're going to talk about that later in the match, but he's the one who could really break him uh, from just the style also he did against uh, uh, Orange Cassidy and uh, Chucky T, like how he tossed them around sometimes yeah. in the ring or so. Like this, I this reckon could that'll be, be the match, and it'll be a yeah. good match as well. I think. I, I think before will be Kip versus him, but then maybe he will just tear him yeah. apart completely. Um, but I like this promo now because, like, if, sorry, uh, shitty that you is not here anymore. But he said, "Oh no, not another segment with him." Like, just ah, listen to what he says, and then ah, okay. So it's it's the the feud is completely over. Something new happens yeah. now. That's the good outcome of it. I'm I'm looking forward to it to be honest because I want to see more Miro also in the ring. Just give me, me more of it. Give Feed me more. Me more. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> no, please no. Next up, we had. Dax Harwood versus Chris Jericho with special guest enforcer Iron Mike Tyson. Um, so Dax comes out with Tully and Cash, but they make it very clear that only Cash has permission to stay at ringside. It's one person each. He's chosen Cash. Tully must leave. And Sammy Guevara uh, comes out with Chris Jericho. I have a question. Who the hell is Chris Jericho pointing to with his bat when he's pointing to the crowd? When he's pointing to the rafters? I don't know. He's not pointing to the fake crowd. He's like, he's like, he's like smiling and nodding and like, you know, pointing the, uh, like, like, I don't know if they had, because the Judas sounded especially loud for their fake standing crowd, and there definitely wasn't a crowd there, so I don't know whether they used crowd noise Judas or something. Maybe but they recorded, pre-recorded, yeah, or yeah. took some from from another show in it, but yeah, he's just, <laughs> he's, he's pointing just, with uh, his bat, and it's like, yeah. it's like, do you, do you not think, they literally showed us that the stands are empty when they showed SCU, Butcher and Blade, etc, etc, and it's like, and now he's pointing at nobody and like smiling, like, oh yeah, I see you, like, oh, come on. Like, but no, um, yeah. It, thoughts on this match before I go to a play-by-play or the beginning um, of the. You know. I, I have to. I have to say, I was surprised. It was really good. I have to say, I felt very entertained by the match. It was uh, Surprising, also surprisingly quite. Uh, how would you put it? Striky, not yeah. as grappling as you'd yeah. expect from these two. Definitely, definitely. So that it was also it was very it, w it was a brawl. Let's say it like yeah. this, because afterwards, of course, they, they, they were just allowed one one person with them at ringside. But in the end, even Mike Tyson couldn't hold up like the brawl, which yeah. which took place. Yeah, so he, that was great. So just this brawl. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And just like also, I, I don't want to want to want to take everything from your play by play. But just like no, how. I won't do a big play by play. OK, but, but just how Mike Tyson knocked out Cash Wheeler. That was yeah. that was great. I was like, wow, that's that's cool. Yeah. 
But um, they really sold that this was vicious between any two members of the inner circle. Like, because, I mean, aside from them kind of hyping it a bit by earlier in the night, saying that Jericho was the reason that I've just now realized that's why they did that, that Jericho claimed responsibility for the stitches that Dax got. Um, Because honestly, that was probably a a really bad blade job on on his own part, but because we didn't see anyone do anything. So it's, you know... um, but, uh, you know, I, I get why they had Jericho claim the responsibility because it adds to this match. But other than that, they haven't had any particular personal beef with each other, just faction beef. So I, the way they went at each other from the, the get-go really sold to me that you can take any two people from these teams and they fucking hate each other so much they'll just tear into each other because, you know, include just Jericho and Dax, you know, uh, Cash and Sammy Guevara, uh, Sean Spears and Jake Hager, they'll just fucking hate each other. Do you know what I mean? Um yeah, and as you say, Mike Tyson was struggling to contain them. He did start by confiscating their weapons, but then they just ended up using weapons anyway, and even Mike Mike couldn't uh, keep them in check. Um, so yeah, there was uh, they made it clear that this was the first uh, first in ring meeting of an inner circle and pinnacle member. I suppose they mean since the formation of the pinnacle. Yeah, Jericho wasted no time. Like I said, really like it was vicious. Um, they uh they fought into up into the seats and then came back inside as i say it was surprisingly very brawly with lots of strikes dax dips outside and gets checked by doc samson he asks doc samson to check on his stitches but then jericho comes out and uh dax cheap shots him with a mic um and then i think jericho like i said used the weapon back he did that thing with the with the camera that he always does you know the the camera and at this point like i say i mike tyson wasn't uh wasn't uh, officiating very well um Harwood throws Jericho's shoulder first into the ring post. The action spills outside again. Um, Dax gets back and hits Jericho with a baseball slide, which was a rare miss call from Excalibur, calling it a dropkick. Um, and JR corrects him. He's like, I think you'll find it's a baseball slide. Um, Tyson and Dax squared off, and Jericho took advantage of the distraction, throwing Dax into the ring. Dax gained control again, started working Jericho. Um, ironically, the most grappling of the match so far at this point took place during the break. Like, it was mostly brawling until the break, and then they were actually hitting grappling moves. It's like, I don't know if it's Jericho's age, and he's not doing, he's not throwing graps as well with the technical wrestlers, but I was expecting it. Not a bad thing, because this was an entertaining brawl. Um, I just wasn't expecting a brawl. I was expecting a bit grappling, but I suppose that speaks to the, um, the viciousness of this rival, this feud. Um... Uh, crossbody from Jericho, which was which was impressive. At his age, it's nice. You know, he has to trust Dax for that. Um, he hit the shoulder tackle, and then um, Harwood sent Jericho over the ropes, but Jericho holds on and goes up for a double axe handle, brings that down on him, second time to the top in quick succession, then hits a lion salt for a two count. Um, Cash is trying to get involved, but Tyson's stopping it. Then they strike back and forth until Jericho hits a lariat for another two count. Jericho gets Dax up on the buckle and starts raining down shots on him, but Dax slips out between his legs for a rebound powerbomb, I think you want to call it, where he bounces him off the... uh, I love that move, man. Where he bounces him off the ropes um, and slams him down. Uh, Dax hit a very tasty brain buster and got a two count. Um, And, okay, I have to talk about something real quick. So, you know, Patrick, you know how I hate the Seven Nation Army chant where they... (laughs) The yes. Abuse. Yes. Yep. Where they do, where they take someone with a one-syllable name and extend it. Um, or oh, let's go. No, not a one-syllable name. Sorry, they do. Oh, let's go, Moxley. But they extend the go, right? They made it worse 
They made it worse. <laughs> Can match. you even do that? <laughs> yeah, they made it worse. So not only did they extend the oh, let's go. Not only did they do that, right? They they, they forced a three-syllable name into a two-syllable part. They went oh, let's go, Jericho. Oh, this is the worst chant ever. Yeah, right. This is right. the worst chant I've ever heard. Oh, let's go, Jericho. Like, oh my god, stop, stop. Yeah. Like, somebody somebody wasn't good in elementary school, you know, because in elementary school I learned to to clap for every uh, s s syllabus, is that called a syllable? Syllable in there, like to clap in there, and yeah. Then we had a code breaker from Jericho. Both teams come out and it breaks down. Um, so as I say, both teams come down to the ring or just on the ramp area. Um, and Cash Wheeler tries to take advantage of this big scuffle between the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle um, and tries to get involved in the match, but he gets knocked the F out by Tyson. Um, lovely, as you say, very satisfying. Um, Harwood eats a Judas effect and it's game over for Dax the Axe. Very, yeah, decent match, decent brawl. I was, um, I think, I think there was some wrestling purists who were a bit kind of disappointed that it wasn't more of a technical match based on the two people in it. But it's like they're telling a story. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, it's, it's a brawl. It's going to be a brawl. It's these, these dudes hate each other. We're working to blood and guts. You can't, you can't be having a, uh, you can't be having a gentleman's grap fest. Do you know what I mean? Coming to blood and guts. You just <laughs> got to have a, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I just I I just saw some people like saying, "Oh, they didn't like it because it wasn't grapply." It's like, come on, like you you're forgetting the storyline here. But yeah, good show, and I think I agree with you. Next up, we had Alex Marvez catching up with what, what would you call them? I mean, they're not the elite. They're not uh, Callus's crew. Don Callus's crew. Yeah, Callus the Callus crew. Yeah, the Callus the Callus Callus's crew. Callus's Callus crew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, CCC. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, it's like CCK. They're a uh, Chris Brooks before he went to DDT. He had a, oh, he had yeah, a team right. called CCK. I don't know if he was in there in WXW, but um, Callis took the mic and said, "When the Young Bucks came into the family fold, it wasn't the end of the story. It was just the beginning." Uh, Kenny then got the mic. They all took turns essentially. Kenny, except the good brothers. Kenny said that they never changed him and the Young Bucks. They just got sick of doing what people wanted them to. Um, and where they go, the gold will follow. Matt said he's got matches of the year coming out of his ears, and the Young Bucks are back. Um, and the other tag teams have got BTE triggers with their names on. Um, so they're saying they'll defend against anyone, uh, which is, I mean, we'll believe it when I see it. We see it from a heel team aligned with Don Callis. Um, and Callis told us this is what we wanted. So, you know, he said, be careful what you wish for. You're asking for this. Um, so be prepared and, and to be prepared to be surprised again. Exciting stuff, Patrick. What surprises are in store? This is the big question. I was also thinking, oh my god, is someone from the Bullet Club coming over? Is I don't know what what to happen now. Like next, maybe a big surprise will happen uh, next week in the uh, in the championship match at the uh, Impact Pay Per View. Um, I don't know. I'm really, really, really uh, uh, curious what will happen there. Really looking forward to this. This promo was just again like legit. Um, also, uh, I don't know. If you, stuff. Yeah, I don't know if you watched the BTE. Uh, from this week and this week's You've got to know I haven't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Kenny, Kenny and the Bucks were just sitting backstage after the heel turn of them. It was just a uh, normal talk between them, like not real overhyped Kenny like we see them, like the overhyped heel Kenny we see them on, on Dynamite. Just normal Kenny talking, yeah, this is this is who we are. This is 
what we came for this is what we love doing and we should do it the way we want to not like other wonders too we, we built so much we came so far and we should be just the ones the people fell in love with and not the ones who are getting like corporate or so like this is what he said in between the lines and um yeah, and also you can put in here the uh, heel moment of the week again, again with Don Callis. Again with Don Callis? He wins again. a lot of your heel moment of the week. What specifically that Don Callis said was your heel moment of the week? Th that he super kicked the cameraman. Ah, of course. God damn it. God damn it, Don. We have to pay the legal fees for the camera the cameraman <laughs> you super kick. You're such a heel. Yeah, but that was just like, like this was a legit perfect ending to a perfect heel promo just him kicking someone like attacking someone doing the super kick well, it, it also, from the uh, guys well, he just got into yeah. like bribed into his his, his into his click yeah. yeah cartel yeah. click the, ca the callus click is also a good name <laughs> callus is callus cartel click yes ccc q <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well no click doesn't begin with a q no, it's, uh, it's, it's, still, it's still C or it's a K in uh, wrestling, wrestling okay. terms. Click. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, good stuff. Next up, we had a Thunder Rosa promo. Now, this kind of throws a bit of a spanner in your saying Brit should be the you know challenge uh, the winner of the women's title match because Thunder Rosa said she's going to challenge the winner of the AEW's title match between Tay Conti and Hikari Shida. And she said she's also going to ch challenge Serena Deeb again. She's going for all the gold. Now, I suppose in kayfabe, this actually makes sense because Thunder Rosa won the match against Britt Baker. So it does make sense that Thunder Rosa would... you know, And this is, again, this is the problem with the ranking system because Britt Baker's... Is she higher than Thunder Rosa in the rankings? Or is Thunder Rosa second between Red Velvet and... and I don't fucking know. And this is the problem with the ranking system. is like it, it backs you into a corner where you can't just book who feels like they should have a title match. Do you know what I mean? That's A lot of wrestling is about what feels right and going with the flow of the, the general vibe of who's over and who's not. And that's not necessarily reflected in the, um, the, the rankings. Although thinking about it, that Thunder Rosa... The Thunder Rosa Brit Baker match was unsanctioned, so really that match doesn't, you know, it doesn't count. So it doesn't have like an impact on uh, on on the rankings. Did you find out where Thunder Rosa was was ranked? Yeah, she's ranked number five. So at the end of the yeah, the yeah. ranking, like you where you can see graphic, but uh, below Brit Baker because Brit Baker has seven and one, and Thunder Rosa has seven and two. Yeah, no, I I, I don't actually. I I'm gonna come out and say it. Like I. I don't like the ranking system. I don't think it's a good idea. No, me it, neither. They they could they could scrap that really like next it, yeah. year or so if they want to. Like I think no one would literally care about it. Also, I I I I'd be fine with them keeping their win loss record at the bottom, like if they want, because I know Tony's big on that. I I would as crazy as it sounds, because you want wins and losses to matter, but I would be fine with them scrapping the wins and losses matter ethos, like. Yeah, I want wins and losses to matter. I don't want wins and losses to matter that much. Do you know what I mean? Because you just yeah, get into or all like this. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in this. Not this. Not not like this. Not like this. <laughs> um, that led us into quite nicely into a, a another women's match. Oh, oh! This is my, one of my biggest mark out moments of the night. Chris Statlander versus uh, Jobber number seven hundred. No, sorry, I'm being insulting. Versus Amber Nova, but Chris Statlander came out using the best friend's entrance theme. She's officially a best friend. I love this so much. I love. This is my favorite faction in wrestling right now. I think. Um, 
I just, I love the best friends. Uh, Chris looked amazing. J- JR was trying to find a way to put it while being politically correct. Because <laughs> he was, he was, you saw him just like trying to dodge the mines. Um, I, I, he just about did it, but he was trying to say that she looked ripped and she looked in great shape, which she did. Um, and she looked beyond image. She looked very quick and smooth. Um, she was doing that kind of head handstand thing she did where she, uh, you know, and then she twists coming back down and it really know what to call it. Um, yeah, I'll give you a play, a very quick play by play because it was a short match, but, uh, happy to see Chris Statlander back and, and thoughts on her performance, Patrick. Yeah, very happy. The performance was awesome, really, because she was, like you said before, super quick. She was super stiff also. That's what I also liked. I mean, there's Hard only so much and... you can judge someone from a squash match, but she, yeah, looks, right. better. she looks better. Definitely like... better. She looked in way better shaped now, really. That's that's what I really like. Uh, being in, in the... In the... Um, in the best friends uh, group now, but the only downturner for me is that they're using now the uh, Orange Cassidy theme for all of them. Like they should yeah. still have the best friends theme. They should have a Chris Deadlander theme. So like because then you make Orange Cassidy like this this attraction. He's still that attraction. Of course he belongs to that group. But the best fr- uh, to be honest, like the best friends theme song is still awesome. Also I got I, that. Yeah, I such- I get. Uh, st- st- <laughs> suck. Stong suck in my head, stuck in my head. <laughs> Stonk suck, S- <laughs> sucking on some stonks. Uh, <laughs> okay, we got a title for the episode, I guess. Yeah, I just thought that too. Yeah, right. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Stonk this suck. song stuck in my head so many times. <laughs> Stunk suck. Um, right. No, uh, yeah. I mean, like you say, it does fit Orange Cassidy good, and it does, and part of me agrees with you and wants to preserve it for Orange Cassidy. At the same time, this music can get anyone over, and I'm happy for them to use the game of Chris Statlander, honestly. I, and, 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 it, and also, her sharing a music, music with it, she had her own entrance video, but her sharing an entrance theme with them is like confirmation that, yeah, she's part of this crew. She's not just, you know, yeah, that's, that's this is true. An, and I love this, and they're a faction. There's four of them. They're a faction, and I, this, I, I, I swear down. This is my favorite faction in AEW right now. Best friends. They're like, I, Inner Circle were probably a close second, um, but oh, god damn, do I love, I, I love me some best friends. I just to the moon, please, all of them. I want all the gold on them. They're fantastic. It's, yeah, it's they now, got back for me. Like what was it? In the week week before after last week in the arcade anarchy match when. Uh, Trent Beretta, yeah, when he there, came yeah. back and like how the whole match was built, I was like yeah. another gimmick match, and blah, 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 but then it just got me completely over. Now is the time for them to win the the either yeah, win the ta- the tag team titles with Trent and Chuck, or or introduce a trios title and have them win that because gosh darn it, are they fa- are they just over for me, um, in a good way over. Um, yeah. Next up we had oh fuck this right I. Yes. Thank thank goodness for Anthony Ogogo because if it wasn't for him, they would be getting their <laughs> countless um, uh, uh, screamer of the week, shocker of the week. Because god damn it, I'm just I'm so done. I, okay, so I'm so Chris Chris Statlander for me is over in a good way, but I am over Team Taz in a bad way. Yeah, completely. Um, also, like sorry before you're starting, but they 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 are structured like it's always the same a backstage segment, something I just, like this. They're interrupting and it's exactly. always the same i put so have you seen that hooks become a meme on yeah Square yeah Circle you now? told me about it and then i yeah. then i also got through it and it's like oh hook looks so ripped oh my god I hope, he was yeah. so long on the air and uh, really yeah good. with everyone online they're just like oh god our lord and savior hook hook, hook. and 
they always put his name in capitals and stuff like that. It's so it's so random. It's so funny. But like, I actually put a comment on um, on Square Circle before. So so I agree with you. Like I said um, something like, um, you know, seeing. Uh, you know, it was like the Drake meme where he's like, um, you know, he's disappointed. He doesn't want one thing, but he wants something else. Do you know what I mean? You don't want uh, being disappointed watching Team Taz cut the same promo for the third week in a row. But you do want watching uh, our Lord and Saviour hook to see if he gives us a coded message to his uh, devoted followers. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's the only that's the only positive. Ironically, ironic hook appreciation is the only positive from Team Taz content at the moment moment taz says they are waiting for christian cage's response it's the same shit as always um taz mentions it's better for ricky starks and brian cage to wait backstage when they go out i think this might have been taping related like they weren't actually there um it also plays into the rivalry but i do think there was some kind of was there or did they come out in the end no they didn't no no no, No, just just hops came out yeah Hobbs and Hook. Um, yeah, Hobbs and Hook and Tess, yeah. Hook, Hook, Hook. Yeah, no. I think it might have been taping related, to be honest. Like, they <laughs> Rufy, weren't actually there. Oh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, so it was Christian Cage. It, he was, he, was he supposed to have a match for somebody? I think he was. Yeah, it was supposed to be something like, who will fa- no, who will answer the challenge of, yeah. of Christian Cage? That was um, the question. So he had a... Uh, he, you already knew something's up when he was having an interview with Tony Schiavone before the match. Um, and then Team Taz interrupted. I sw- I just, I can't. It just, the, the the air is sucked out of the room when Team Taz interrupts somebody. It's just terrible. Um, yeah, Team Taz interrupted because of course they did. Um, Chris Jericho, what else are they, what else are they there to do? Chris Jericho rejected the offer to join. Um, <sighs> credit where it's due team uh, taz himself sounded pretty good on the mic when he came in and was like here's the deal shithead and like you know and they were trading like barbs about ecw and bingo halls and and taz talking about you and you and your friend i never liked either of you i.e edge uh, aka edge uh hobbs steps up to christian gets in the uh gets in the ring Christian tries to hit the kill switch hook distracts him and hobbs lays him out slams him into the barricade uh, um, another weird chant. Team Taz sucks. It just didn't. Or Will Hobbs sucks. It, that, that they were some. There was that was a bit weird for me as well. Um, so everything's bad about this. Uh, slams Christian's head into the steel steps and then steps on it. Hobbs, this is. Um, another. Oh God, just they're just. I I. At this point, just cut them right, or or at least this. <laughs> what. Help me, here, Patrick. Was, what, do you, was, what do you do with team? What do you do with team Taz? Like I was, li- I was literally like a few weeks ago. I was invested in that, like Brian Cage turning on them. Brian Cage was Ricky Starks. I was like, yeah, give me that. Like if something good comes out of this, like super, 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 super long stretched team Taz stuff. But now they're starting all over again. It's completely the same. Also from the build up. Christian Cage together with Tony Schiavone in the in the ring, um, and then getting interrupted by Taz again. Like this is just this build up is so boring and fr- frustrating. Also frustrating to see that all over again. Um, but let's not just talk that down completely because I think uh, the back and forth Taz and and Christian Cage had was quite funny. Like you also as I said before. as I said that was yeah. the one positive was their little Great, banter. Yeah. 
great that you're standing up there because now we can finally see eye to eye. And then, and then he was like, yeah, yeah, if I'm standing on my wallet, then we can always see eye to eye. So That's some <laughs> good was, shit. Yeah, that was really good shit. But it felt improvised, but it felt so good. Yeah, but yeah, right, exactly. And uh, it, yeah, I just want to see now that match. But just please give me that match. Stop with these fucking promos hype thing. Someone of them just turn, uh, turning up on, on the ring or just... You know, next week they, they will get that match finally. But I, I also like ideally hope they will have a match and not like someone will interrupt again or it will be forfeited or I, I don't know what happens there again. But just, it's just, just it keep makes, wrestling. It makes, it makes Christian look like a dickhead because he came into AEW saying that he didn't want to part-time it. He wants to outwork everybody. He wants to outwork everybody. And he's had like one match. Do you know what I mean? And it's like he came in saying he wanted to wrestle a full schedule and stuff. And like they're making him look a fool by having him do this. Do you know what I mean? Next up, we had a promo for Hikaru Shida versus Tay Conti. Very short. There's not much to say. Conti talked about perseverance, etc., etc. Shida says how she wants to main event sold out arenas as AEW women's champion. We won't talk about this now because uh is there a match next week? I believe. Yeah, and their match is directly yeah. next. So week. we'll be talking about that at the end of the show, so yep. we'll skip past this. Darby Allen versus Matt Hardy for the TNT championship in a Fool's Count Anywhere match. Thoughts on this match, Patrick? This was the main event of the evening. Did it live up to expectations? <sighs> Yes. So first of all, let's 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 cut it into two parts. First of all, it was a great match, a great false count anywhere yeah, match. Yeah. It was just super entertaining. Everything it got me hooked. It got got this this backstage segment where um, Matt Hardy was in the gorilla position, putting up a ladder and uh, uh, doing the uh, leg drop through the through the table on the, through Darby Allen on it. That was just really cool. Of course, the finish was awesome with the coffin drop from the. Oh yeah. Uh, how do you say that in English? How's that that? Uh, scaffolding. Scaffolding. Yeah, this was awesome because I I think correct me if I'm wrong was that the first time that the uh, commentary desk was destroyed it's exactly what I was thinking during it I was like is this their first ever announce table spot it was yeah yeah I think so so yeah that was just great like from match point awesome now comes the downturner like this was easily like a four out of five four four point five out of five match for me like from from just what it what it is or just what it wants to be but then comes the point in it again Darby Allen is the champ and he takes so much hard bumps this time it wasn't as bad as last week because this time it was just like maybe 50 50 back and forth but he takes finishers over finishers I think I think it was worse than last week I think it was worse no, I, I, do. I don't think it was that that bad, but like he had like it's on the point worse. And like I, you already sent me a cage match review for yeah. this, and you can like talk about this later, of course. But because I agree with you, but it's just like in this case, he really got the finishers from Matt Hardy, and he didn't. He kicked out of the finishers, and then he just does one real big thing. Like his finisher, of course, was the big thing, and then he wins against Matt, and then you're like, yeah, it's just, it's just. The booking is really, really poor. Yeah, as I said, as I said, I'll, uh, as you said, actually, I'll, uh, I will talk about my, my, my likes and dislikes about this match at the end. But it's play by play time. So first off, there was no, no posse for Matt Hardy coming out with him. No, um, no Hardy family office. I'm still using that name for some reason. Um, Hardy has a chair immediately. I think he's holding a chair before the ring bell even goes. Um, Darby goes for a springboard coffin drop straight away bizarre um hardy swats him out of the out of the uh out of the air with a chair cat in the hat 
Uh, and that's the name of the Doctor's Use book, next Doctor's Use book, uh, hitting him out of the air with a chair. Uh, another match of Darby getting his shit kicked out of him begins. So um, Hardy's wailing on Darby Allen with a chair, a la kind of the rock on Mankind at Royal Rumble. Um, this time not in the head, though, in the back. Um, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky watch on for some reason because they're a tag team, but also they're interested in the title, I guess. I know what's going on. Um, Matt Hardy sits on the chair in the ring and Darby's trying to crawl up to him but he punches him back down uh, Darby Allen's back at this point is on the verge of bleeding from chair shots which is gnarly that's some crazy shit um, Hardy starts targeting the ribs with the chair Darby rallies with a series of strikes but Matt takes advantage of a lull and hits him with the swinging netbreaker um, Hardy throws Darby's head into the chair like Spike in American football um, just like slams it down uh, Hardy attempted a twist of fate with the chair this was his first attempt at it um, but Darby escapes, turns the chair to his advantage, doesn't last long because the butcher blade and private party interrupt the Hardy family office or the majority of them um, then the Dark Order and Sting come out to even up the odds or even you know exceed them um matt and darby have hardly moved from their position in about five minutes i think because it's the break on the corner there while they're focused on everyone else um darby gets sent over the steel steps and barricade that was a that was a nice spot where he kind of he kind of uh how would you call it like clothes horse like in gymnastics himself over the steps into the into the uh i kind of guess for like damage limitation because hardy's throwing him into the steps he's like okay i've got a springboard out of this i'd rather take the bump outside the ring outside the uh over the barricade. Scorpio Sky. Actually, I've got this on my notes, but I forgot this happened. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page try to attack Sting, because Sting and Lance Ar- and then Lance Archer comes out and stops them. Now I remember it. Um, Sting and Archer exchange some words in the ring before Lance Archer hits the... Archer? Lance Archer hits the blackout on Isaiah Cassidy. Um, Darby chases Hardy to the stage, hits him in the ribs with a chair before bringing down the punches. He's like, yeah, he gets on top of him and starts wailing on him. Um, Sting throws Darby the bat but Matt hits the low blow and this is where the match starts to fall apart narrative wise for me Um, the spots are still very cool from this point onwards but Matt hits the twist of fate with a chair for a two count um, and then takes the action backstage throws Darby across the table uh, before setting up a ladder next to the table and um, hitting the leg drop on him through the table great little spot at a safe distance from Matt to drop with his hip problems. I felt it was a very safe but awesome looking spot. Um, I have things to say about this in a minute. <laughs> uh, that's my positives to say about it. Uh, Hardy goes to powerbomb Darby off the stage, but Darby reverses and jumps off the stage, gets down, grabs the bat. Um, he close, He's closing on Hardy at the announcer's desk, and the announcer's like, sorry, Matt, you've got nowhere to go. Um, Darby, weird thing destroyed the commentators equipment like swept him aside uh which was which was strange and then hardy uh sets up the announce table oh he gets sorry he gets hardy set up on the announce table and then coffin drop off the scaffolding massive spot for the pin okay so to my criticism well let's no, start off on a positive it was it was a like you said if it wasn't for a few bits that really niggled at me it would be a like you said a 4.5 possibly even um 
as it stands okay so here's my problem um i can buy darby allen getting hit with i can just about okay so they want darby allen to be this unkillable kind of he can get the shit kicked out of him and still keep going guy i get that i think kicking out of the out of the twist of fate with the chair is just about believable just because that is the most brutal move matt hardy can do on you is what has kind of been established because if you remember he did this to jeff hardy who is also notoriously the you know getting the shit kicked out of him guy this is the guy this is the resilient guy do you know what i mean this is what they want darby to be like is like a jeff hardy kind of guy um and and that put jeff hardy down for the three in in the matt versus jeff match at wrestlemania 25 so you know stands to reason that that should put someone like darby down unless darby allen's tougher than jeff hardy at wrestlemania but no fair enough apparently he is he kicks out and jeff did obviously go through other other moves in that match fair enough even though darby's also been through a lot in this match we're getting battered with the chair whatever okay he he's tougher than jeff hardy okay i buy it fine but then add in the leg drop off the ladder through the no no one's that tough like undertaker's not that tough come on it is it was overkill for me um and there's probably a way they could have done both spots and it'd been believable. Possibly if they'd done the leg drop one first a lot earlier in the match, maybe. Uh, it, it was one after the other. And it's like, I don't buy it, man. I don't buy a two count and then a two count after you've had the twist of fate uh, with a chair around your neck. It's Hardy's best move, like, ever. It's, and then and then his leg drop through a table. It's like, he, if he can't beat you with that, he was never going to beat you. And that's never a good way to have a wrestling match where one person has zero chance of winning before the bell's gone as per the booking. Do you know what I mean? It's It's... I don't. I don't feel that. So it yeah. lost a lot of points for me. Yeah, of for that. me, like we week after week, he's losing that for me. And uh, we're going to talk about later, like next week. He also has next week his next title defense. I don't know anymore. But uh, like in the in the next match, I hope there will be some some proper wrestling match. Uh, like uh, yeah, just thinking. I think I said that uh, last show I was on. Like it's so bizarre thinking. Like last year around that time when there was revolution. Um, he and Sami had such a killer match and now of course he's the champ which is cool what everyone kind of wanted him to be and he is legitimate the champ but now he's completely losing that uh, 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 that yeah that we believe in that you know like they, they, they were buying it from him so it's it's just there's really poor booking like I said like a few yeah. minutes before it's poor booking and I don't know what they want to achieve with this maybe just like we said before maybe there just comes a mirror and just tears him completely apart and but also now which I also didn't talk about like the ending of the match like that uh, uh, Scorpio Sky Ethan Page are interrupting then Sting comes out and um also, uh, uh, um, the Dark Order comes, Private Party. That was actually quite cool to have this brawl. Yeah, and a lot of people actually complained about that. But I, no, I think actually, it's cool. I, I, yeah. They, I. One thing I love is the interlocking, um, interlocking storylines, like feuds that cross over, and it, it gives it a kind of Marvel Universe feel. Do you know what I mean? Comic Universe, not cinematic yeah, universe. Right, nerds. right. <laughs> but, it's, yeah. it's true. But also the thing which I found quite weird because it was not, it was not really it wasn't really clear what they wanted to achieve with this is uh when um 
Lance Archer and, and Sting were in the ring and then Lance Archer, uh, I don't know from who from Pirate Party he attacked, but uh, it was like like the last Isaiah week. Cassidy. Isaiah, yeah, last week you were like, yeah, he, you, you were rooting for him. He's really underutilized and now they're looking like really at each other, like really skeptical, like, oh, I'm going to attack him or not. Shall I attack him? So that, that had, had a weird vibe with, with it because like I was more thinking if they will join sides or so now probably but yeah i mean anything's better than the angle that sting was in though to be fair so i i am i'm happy yeah with definitely where, where definitely he was. that just about brings us to the end of our show um well the end of our dynamite segment uh i rate this as another i mean i know i mean it was generally well received online and by us me and jack that is but uh wrestling is subjective and i know you weren't the biggest fan of last week's dynamite for me though this has been about three stellar dynamites in a row um and I, I suppose even with your reservations about last week's episode that you've told me about, would you say that Dynamite has kind of been on an upward tick recently? I think that episode actually was horrible again. Like really, That's it's so weird. no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, no, <laughs> I love that episode. No, no, this this episode was just really awesome again. Got me in. Uh, like last week, I wasn't like in general. It wasn't a bad episode, but it was not their best episode. It was just like oh, okay. But this week was just like all in, like the matches were great. Also, like I'm looking now also at the match times, like the, the main event, 16 minutes. The opening match was 23 minutes. Then in between you had the uh, Jericho match, which was uh, 16 minutes or so, I think. Yeah, 16 minutes. Yeah, uh, minute, man. Yeah, that's just... This, this can be your new thing. I expect this every week. I want the minute. <laughs> <of> the <match. laughs> um, yeah, but just, it, this was just cool that, that you gave like a certain uh, match time, like ring time, not too much. Like last week was the problem for me. There were too many segments in between, like cut, 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 and then it was a match, cut, 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 cut. So I couldn't like really go into the matches and the matches were not also all that long. But like I said, it's, it's just also really complaining on a high level because last week's Dynamite was way better than uh, than WrestleMania in general. Um, but uh, yeah, this week was awesome again. And I'm really, really uh, stoked to see what happens next week. Like really just the storylines continuing. Great weekly TV, isn't it? Um, that brings us to match of the night. I mean, what's your match of the night, Patrick? Surprise me. Surprise you. I definitely it's not end- going to be a surprise, I don't think. Anthony Ogogo. <laughs> that was just what a match! What a match! No, definitely the Bucks versus uh, uh, yeah, the Death Triangle or the Death Line in this case because they were not three, but <laughs> <Death>. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, they then they come out with huge phones. No, just kidding. Um, the Death was... the Death the Death Line sounds like something America tries to convince you is happening in Latin American socialist countries. They have Death Lines. <laughs> They're lining up for death. What does that mean? They're just lining up for death. <laughs> <laughs> or just some some yeah, cheap. That's a bit political. <laughs> or some just just some cheap. I don't know, like like horror movie or so. Oh, there is a death line. Don't don't dial that number. You're gonna die when you dial that number. Like like the ring just with a phone. <laughs> oh, the mate. ring, except it's lower budget, so they just have the phone call and not the shit crawling up the TV. They just right. get the phone call and then just yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, good is that we are airing that now because the rights now belong to me. It has been published. I can, can make a movie out of that. But yeah, just know that the the match was just awesome. Like it was there was a pay per view match already. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. What else to say um, about this? My match of the night is also. The Young Bucks versus Death Triangle. As I said, it, like it's 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 weird that we're saying it's not a five star match. Focusing on that, just and it's just because of how 
you know, and I think a lot of people uh, will agree with that, that you can say something's not a five-star match and still say this is one of the matches of the year. Do you know what I mean? Because five-star matches should be rare. They should be, a perfect match should be, you know, they, they are, they are, they are quite rare. So this is, this was, this and, as I say, the women's match, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, match of the year contenders for me, those two. Um, we'll see how they age in my head towards the end of the year. But, um, yeah, it's a close call between the two of them right now, man. Um, really good stuff. That, I mean, that was the positives. The negative, however, is the screamer of the week, the shocker of the week. I always call them both. It's my Reba Rebel moment, I think. I, I haven't decided which one's which, whether it's screamer or shocker. Anyway, it uh, obviously is Antonio Gogo's debut, which saves Team Taz for another week. <laughs> that brings us to the preview for next week. And I will pass it over to you, Patrick, to give us... You, who doesn't have a problem with your microphone levels, can give us the <laughs> the card for next week. <laughs> okay. The well-prepared German announces. <laughs> um, yeah, so next week is Ricky Starks versus Hangman Page. Uh, Trent with Orange Cassidy against uh, Penta El Cero Miedo with Alex Abrahantes. So it is quite interesting to see... Yeah, like, like he's how still the, Penta's manager. They, yeah. He's got a separate thing going on from the other two members of Death Triangle. Yeah, which is weird. They should keep that all together, but yeah. Then uh, Powerhouse Will Hobbs against Christian Cage, which is kind of interesting to me. I'm really a little... Yeah, I'm looking forward I'm, to this. I'm really happy they pulled the trigger on that early and didn't drag it out. Yeah, yeah. And mainly, um, maybe it's the main event, but right now it's just four matches announced, but I hope this will be the main event. Hikaru Shida versus Tay Conti for the uh, women's oh, title. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I, they think, I think it's time. The... I think it might be time. Yeah. And also, um, Tay Conti uploaded a really nice video today. I think it was on Instagram where she was talking about it, like how her life developed within the last year. And now it's really, really a thing. Exactly one year after her release from WWE, where she was like really smashed to the ground from it. She has earned her spot and is now, uh, yeah, her, her women's I... title match got announced the day she uh, got like a year later, got uh, released from WWE. So that's very interesting. I... I think she could win it, and if she doesn't, it will be the uh, she'll be in good company with Anna J, uh, with her friend Anna J, in yeah. people who were primed to win the title but then didn't. <laughs> yeah, but, it, it, but to be honest, there must be something happening now. So the third match for Sheeta this year only. Now, uh, two, she only had two matches this year. Um, there needs to come. Well, she a went. She went, more. she went. She went back to Japan briefly because she was um, involved in the the tag. The, yeah sure the tag, sorry the elimination sure. tournament stuff and she was in japan yeah time, so I but still that's still she's not not weekly on tv and so like uh they, they should feature that way way more please like uh, it's just like i've almost forgotten about she that said, she's still I, there i just i've always thought i feel so bad saying it because i mean she's a lovely girl um and she has had good matches but i've always found her individually quite overrated um, Hikaru Shida and, and I'm not saying this as someone who's dismissive of the Joshi style you you know that I watch Joshi I watch TJPW quite religiously at the moment and we've uh, oh big shout out to tomorrow as of the time of actually tonight at 3am uh, at the time of recording so in less than six hours or around six hours it might be like half half past three or something um, there is still incomplete the TJPW pay-per-view where Maki Ito is going to get a shot at the Princess of Princess Championship so Ooh, let's go let's go let's go Ito-chan the uh, TJPW's yes. top uh, top title so you know I you know I love uh, my Joshi I, I love um, you know I've got a whole 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 host of Joshi's I love Mio Yamashita is a uh, one in particular but 
I just, I just, I don't buy it with Hikaru Shida. She's not my type of wrestler, really. Um, and I didn't, I don't buy it with Riho either. Um, I did like Rhea Mizunami coming into. Um, she's she's dope. I like her, and uh, I would have liked to see her feature more in AEW. Maybe she will. Maybe she won't be. But yeah, I've always found. I think it's time, and I love Take On T, and I Take On T's fast becoming the star of the women's division. Maybe not the face of the women's division because that's Britt Brit Baker um, in both our opinions, I think. But she is fast becoming uh, the standout star, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like, please, if, if this, yeah, this would be like also such a wholesome story to give, give her the title, but also this would bring finally some movement into the uh, women's division like something is happening there and then it feels like it feels like it's being reinvented from the ground up and everything has changed except who yeah. holds the title yeah you know right I mean? and right. that's it feels like that's the last piece maybe maybe yeah. signing chelsea green as well from uh, oh, yeah. from the wwe releases but yeah it feels like it's just there's just one more piece has got to crumble from the old regime and that's that's the title hold and it feels weird saying that because she's a face champion but yeah. she i think she's got to lose it Yeah, I'm also thinking now really that she'll lose it because Taekwondo is not only looking strong, but like really in a good way strong in her matches, not like in super dominant way. And then she's losing to the champion or so. Well, now she, she's like, she's really building the matches properly and bring some legitimate, real good moves in it and fighting her way back. And so like this, it, it has a nice story to tell, although it's a face versus face match, but... Yeah. Well, for Tay Conti, and if, if you've been paying attention, she actually has been having like a low-key kind of, I'd say, in-ring story, a New Japan-style story, not one that's told, one that's told with subtext rather than one that's told with exposition, like in like Western wrestling, because she had the thing with Nyla Rose. She lost two matches to Nyla Rose, one where she replaced uh, Layla Hirsch at the last minute, I think it was, and um, one in the in the women's eliminator tournament, and then she finally got her they had their third match in you know third times the charm it was very new japan rule of three she she lost she lost she overcame do you know what i mean her uh her the one who kept beating her and anyone who watches new japan she's kind of uh primed for a title match and a title win after after something like that so you know low-key kind of in-ring storytelling been going on with uh take on t and you know she's and she's had the match against serena deeb so it's like she's she's already had this kind of champion experience she's learned stuff and oh man it's it's just time pull that trigger which match of those i mean there's there's a fair few but which match other than i mean we've i, I can probably guess because of how much we talked about it compared to the others but which match are you looking forward to the most and which most you, which are you kind of second by also interested in not just maybe not the most but that you're interested in seeing and and intrigued to see what happens i mean we've already said we're already said obviously the main event and christian but Yeah, it's it's completely the main event in Christian for me, just because I think Christian and 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 Hobbs can have a really good match together. Um, this is what I'm really looking forward to. But in general, like it's just these four matches announced now. That's that's quite interesting for me. Um, I, I like first, to see. What's the first match you said? Uh, Ricky Starks versus Hangman Page. So I think something's some happening in this. To be honest, yeah. I think also, be, I think there will be some stuff with that Ricky Starks Brian Cage stuff. So. God help me for saying this. I am interested in what happens there. I mean, yeah. I, I I just want something fresh with Team Taz. Yeah. I mean, it's something like evolving, like something yeah. goes on in the storyline. They're just stuck there again, or it feels like they are stuck. So please, just to be, continue. To, to be honest, they are just they are just wrestling poison for me now. I just I I don't know how they can I. <laughs> 
So you know that you know you know that meme of putting like a band-aid on a massive split in the or like the the patch on the water, like the water's gushing out and they just put like a small patch on it. Um I don't know if you've seen it. But it's like 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 uh just patching over a really big problem. Do you know what I mean? I feel like anything they do with Team Taz, any direction they take is just gonna be that. It's just gonna be patching over a big problem. I just if they feel too far gone for me now, they feel they've got too much of this absolute just stagnation stank on them for for them to ever do anything with them that I find interesting. I really hope they prove me wrong and that they that with this Ricky Starks uh Brian Cage angle they can do something fresh and interesting. But do you know you noticed how relieved I was that they had Christian Cage versus Will Hobbs the next week after Will Hobbs beat him up. And that's because Team Taz have just dragged everything out all the time. They just dragged things out. And it's like, oh, thank God this match is happening straight away. And we're not just going to get four weeks of, you know, back and forth bullshit. And it's, it, you know, it's gotten to the point where, you know, I'm pleased when when they tease a match and it actually happens quite soon. Do you know what I mean? Because there's just been so much crap with this and so much so much taking so long and it's like uh anyway, I don't want to end the show on a negative, but um, yeah. I hope yeah, well, just, I, just I, on I have hope. Yeah. I have hope. Yeah. I have I I am interested in that first match because You're just not giving up on it. No, yeah. <laughs> Optimism. Yeah. That brings us to everybody's favourite segment. Actually, it shouldn't be everyone's favourite segment because <laughs> this is an AEW podcast. I hope it's not everyone's favourite segment. It's, but the it mo- brings- it's, it's the most expensive section, let's say. Most like expensive this. segment. It costs £25. And isn't that a sad indictment of this show that that's the most expensive segment of the show? It is Less Important Shows. Less Important Shows. It was WrestleMania weekend, guys. It seems ages ago now. It's been such a busy wrestling week, but it was mm-hmm. since the last recording of our show that it's been WrestleMania week. Um, I suppose we've got to start with the uh, obvious, WrestleMania itself. How much did either of you watch? That's a zero from me. <laughs> well, that's nice and easy. Comes to you, coming to you, Patrick. How much WWE product branded product did you watch over WrestleMania weekend? Um, two matches with you and um, one did you watch match. Any NXT? No, I didn't watch any NXT yet. No, no, none of us did, but I've heard it was all right. I've heard it yeah, was pretty good. Yeah, I heard it was really good. And I, I have to say I watched finishes on, on uh, Reddit <laughs> because I was lazy. But yeah. That uh, Aishirai match was apparently balling. Yeah, I heard also that was actually the st- show stealer of, of all the two days of the show, so... I'll tell you what, over all of WrestleMania, and I mean WrestleMania, WrestleMania, this, the, uh, the actual show itself, the two days, the only one that felt like Okay, so I know a lot of people were saying night one was better and that Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, like, you know, stole the whole weekend or whatever. For me, it, it was a good wrestling match, but um, the main event of night two was the only one that felt like a WrestleMania match for me. Dur- during it, I was like, okay, this feels this feels big. Do you know what I mean? But it's the only one that felt like WrestleMania. All the others felt like they could be on Raw or SmackDown or something. Do you know what I mean? But um, no, Roman Reigns versus Edge versus... Um, Daniel Bryan and give the devil his due I don't like Roman Reigns as a wrestler I don't think he has a particularly very wide move set or, or good work rate but I uh this is where he thrives is the is the multi-man matches the triple threat matches the um the six-man tags back in the shield when he was used as the impact guy um this is where you know he can he can tell his stories without you know being having too much asked of them um 
and it worked. I liked the spots and I liked when they did the uh, double submission on him, him and um, him and Edge and Daniel Bryan putting him in the uh, cross face and the yes lock. That was some good shit. Um, I remember there was some. See, this is the thing. I'm trying to remember spots from it. There was so much happened uh, over the weekend, but uh, I remember I remember good shit happening outside of the ring. Uh, that's all I can say. It was something to do with the announcers' table, but. Um, some might say it was marred a little bit by the finish, which was, um, you know, confused a lot of people because Roman Reigns pulls uh, Edge over Daniel Bryan. Um, so naturally, people assume Edge is currently pinning Daniel Bryan and then he lays on top of them both for the pin. Although if you do go back and look, I think Edge's shoulders were down. So um, that gives weight to the people who say that Roman's pinning both of them. But then you get into this big debate of can you pin someone when your own, own shoulders are to the mat? And it was just unnecessary just to make him look extra strong, I feel. Like, he could have just pinned one of them. Like, I mean, that was a lot of the reason people thought Daniel Bryan was in the match, so he could so he could be the guy to eat the pin. But, like, why even make it a triple threat? I mean, I liked it, and it was, it was better for being a triple threat because I don't think Roman thrives in the singles matches so much. But why make it a triple threat in, in, in kayfabe logic or, you know, if you're just going to do that. But anyway, um, what were your thoughts about that match, Patrick? Yeah, same. I did, like I said, I didn't watch everything, but I saw the finish and I also thought like, Hey, they could have done that different because my first thought was also, uh, isn't like uh, Daniel Bryan pinning edge first and then, or, yeah. or the other way around. And then like, huh? But then I was like, in the end, like thinking about, ah, okay, so you can, you can break up a pin when you're just, just laying your hand on it, then it's broken, but then you're laying on top of it. It was just illogical. Like if you want to do this double pin, he could have just laid them side to side and just put both hands just on them sitting in front of yeah. them or anything that it would have been a little, little less illogical when you think about it. But, uh, yeah, the, the finish in general was okay. It was actually really good to make him look even stronger. And so so maybe they're building now really up like a guy everyone might hate or love to hate. And then then you then you have the potential to bring a future star completely over winning the title from him. That'd be fun. It would be a throwback to um, old wrestling. I'm not sure it's worth the amount of people they bury along the way, WWE, but it is a bit of a throwback to like 80s, how they probably, they probably will need some kind of big kind of monster face to come against Roman and then that'll be a that'll be a big money WrestleMania main event in the future but um yeah his I mean his heel work seems good like I said give the devil his due I'm not the biggest fan but and it was the best WWE main roster match I've seen this year granted I've seen about five WWE main roster matches this year excluding the two Royal Rumbles but still um let's move on to something Hugh can talk about because Hugh actually watched uh GCW's R Spring Break it was R Spring Break not because of Pirates, but because Ricky Shane Page won the right to spring break mm -hmm. from Joe Janela in a match, so it's RSP spring break. Yes. Yeah. Brought to oh, you by Pirates. 4 -4 Shitty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, brought to us by Neft Fogka, as they kept reminding us. They did. Less, yeah. less meth, more Neft. Um, yeah. The, the I, unbreakable uh, barrel is what they kept saying. <laughs> yeah. Got an unbreakable barrel. I, uh, I I will come to you and say, ask you what, what your highlights were. Um, for me, none of these matches were really above an eight, but they were all solid. But this was still the best pay-per-view as of some of its parts. It was still the best pay-per-view I think I've seen all year. It was so watchable and four hours just flew by. Um, I don't know how you felt. Well, like, I would say um, I, I, like, I like wrestling. Four hours is still a big ask for me. It is, and but it didn't feel like four hours. Generally speaking, it, it, flow, it flew past. I didn't mind watching all of it. 
by the time we were, there was like 40 minutes left and you were like oh do you, do you need to go and i was like i mean i might as well watch it all now because yeah, you know, we weren't expecting just, to watch yeah. it all in one go no and we got we got like three hours and 10 minutes in <laughs> and went well let's finish it <laughs> you know like and like yeah i think uh highlights wise it is actually a bit hard to choose because there was so much good stuff uh, the opening match was maybe my least favorite, and it was still really? quite good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so, I think uh, the, maybe, the opening match, maybe Sorry, the lucha, on. the lucha trios tag, was probably my favorite, and that does. Why am I not sense. surprised? Yeah, that's what I like. I like lucha wrestling. Uh, I just thought it was great. It had the real kind of had everything you want from like a good lucha underground match, a good AAA match, good CMLL you know, whatever, good Lucha Brothers in AEW. It's just good pacing, lots of fun stuff. Uh, but then also the uh, Rich Swan versus, um, what's his name now? Uh, Leo Rush. They, really good match. Like Leo Rush match. as Blackheart. You, you, you're going to want to cut back on that. They didn't have a match against each other. Those were two separate matches. Okay. <laughs> Who was against Leo Rush? Leo Rush <laughs> was against Jordan Oliver. Uh, no, definitely, definitely Leo Rush versus... Um, he gets Jordan, Jordan, Oliver. Jordan Oliver really good I like the weird guy who came in who we thought was going to wrestle and then it turned out to be Leo Rush <laughs> remember that the guy like just yeah, the, uh, his he, he, brought, he brought out a uh, interpretive <laughs> dancer yeah. yeah we thought he was going into the ring and then it, then it keeps and you're like why do they keep pointing at the that match actually that match <laughs> like, actually actually wasn't that well received online but I think it was because it was the most traditional sort of wrestling match it was a slower pace compared to the others and it just felt a little out of place but I thought it was decent um yeah. I think I think for me the standout had to be well one the main event which we'll talk about in a minute because that yeah, had everyone yeah. talking what happened after it um Joe Janela against Chris Dickinson great match that was I thought um that was it had had a bit oh, of yeah, an old, old, had a bit of an old school WWE TLC match vibe to it I think when they had the you know the ladder out and um, all that and uh, and as you say the uh, the the trios lucha match which was Aramis Dragon Bane and Laredo Kid versus Ares Black Taurus and Gringo Loco fantastic match um, some wild spots that you would have thought Laredo Kid would have uh, pulled out on a uh, on on AEW on TV and 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 made the most of network TV but no he's uh, Again, he's he's of the Ray Phoenix school of just doing something new every time and he's saving um, it for GC Dub. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit where I think I think um, I think it might have been Black Taurus and Gringo Loco's opponents, or it might have been him. I can't. Rem- it might have been the guys on his side. I can't remember. But um, two other wrestlers pulled the rope down. Yes. Um, and and brought it back up with him, and he got some insane hang time. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> uh, it, it was such a good match. But like you say, that main event. The main event. Yeah, like, yeah, and uh, like, Nick Gage's elbow somehow came out of it alive. Like, after all the light tubes, <laughs> I, I just remember Nick Gage was like writing in his back with a light tube. Yeah, oh, he was, <laughs> car- he was trying to ca- he was trying to carve MDK, but, yeah. and, you know his his gang's you're like, initials. You're like into Nick, his back. you're not in jail anymore, man. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Part of him is no, um, and then he was going through Someone the light tube a... boxes. Yeah, sorry, was, it, was it? Did someone? Was it that match or was it the one with Masador, which was also really grim? Uh, I like how you say, even though he's white, you say Masuda, really, uh, Japanese. Masuda. Masuda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, like, um, I just remember they said, yeah, well, if you did that on the street, it'd be a crime. I was like, to be fair, if you did any wrestling match on the street, I think it was in the main event. I think it was in the main event, but um, (laughs) Akas Koga versus Masada was the more violent one because it had more skewers in it. So many skewers, and they had had 440 skewers. 
skewers bad special green my, ones. Yeah, they make my bumhole tighten skewers do. I don't like yeah. it. But, yeah, I mean, I do we, like it. I like how I don't like it. Me and you. <laughs> I like how Sinestor shocks yeah. me. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of us going. Uh, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, because it's, it's when they hammer them in and then they just leave. Yeah. them. I just go. Oh yeah. no! Oh. <laughs> take it out, dude. Um, yeah, like, no. Yeah, but go like, uh, I mean, obviously that that main event everyone's talking about it partly because of what happened afterwards but it was a brilliant match and yeah, i'm not I mean, really into deathmatch wrestling anymore that much so you know <laughs> i think they um i think they softened the blow a bit with the um akis koga masada match earlier um oh, they yeah. got the most violent one out of the way so it's like okay we've, we've been desensitized we can enjoy the wrestling in the main event but no it was gory i mean nick gage's elbow looked like a surgery scene at the oh, end yeah. of it um and there was that one botch if you want to call it that where he was they went up on the scaffolding and he threw Ricky Shane Page through the light tube and table but the table didn't break so if anything it was more violent because he went like you know special light tube box a light tube box on top of a table yeah there's panes of glass involved as well like we're sleeping on that but yeah Yeah. no but then and Patrick can chime in here because I'm sure he's watched the clip after the match after after Nick Gage, after uh, all that time away injured, this wasn't the time he was in prison. He was in prison five years before that. Um, oh, uh, one thing I will say is actually the crowd, um, it was more of a like party atmosphere. I wouldn't say it was dead. Um, I think that's a little unfair. But it was more of a like dinner theatre atmosphere, if you will, but for wrestling with people just like casually knocking about, going to the food cart, going to get in a drink and stuff. Until... Okay, oh, sorry. Go for it. Finish. Sorry. <laughs> until Nick Gage came out and then... And then the crowd swelled and then they just like, and it's this, it's the same thing with him every time, man. This guy, if you, if you're not watching GCW and not seeing Nick Gage, go watch GCW and watch Nick Gage because I'm keeping up with GCW this year. Like I watch him every year and say, I'll keep up with it. But like, it was the same, it's the same time. Every time I see him at spring break, I saw a clip of him returning when he made a surprise return at Take Care. And like people just love this man. This guy's a god to the, these fans. And like, like everyone just like when he made his return at Take Care, they just like, like the whole place went fucking mental and like you see all this cell phone camera footage of people just running and falling over each other and pushing out of each other out of the way to get to the entrance it's like dude this guy's such a throwback this guy's stone cold do you know what i mean it's um and and that's what happened in the main event too and just the kind of mdk all fucking day like the crowd yeah, is just he's so good and like and then of course what better uh opponent to to give him the hottest in the world right now in pro wrestling and pwi's 2020 wrestler of the year john moxley interrupts him an old face from czw do you see the clip after the match when john moxley uh came out after the match to confront nick gage i didn't even see the the clip we watched it together <laughs> did we watch it together yeah we watched it together oh yeah you, you came you came in for the last i'm so this sorry i'm so sorry i, I just the, no, I, no. Made, I know i i i did i did realize you were there i um i, <laughs> I just made the connection in my head that i was watching yeah. the whole thing with you you know yeah you, you came in and watched the last match and i right. I'm sorry i i didn't come to you you sat there very quietly and patiently while i was getting hugh's opinion um no it's fine your opinions it's on fine. tell me what what did you think of the match itself the match itself was uh, although i don't like deathmatch wrestling so much so there's like it's a blurry line for me between hardcore and deathmatch wrestling and the part because I love hardcore wrestling I don't like yeah. deathmatch wrestling but there's this line like the uh, Kenny and Mox match um, on Revolution was perfectly below that line actually was yeah. completely in my comfort zone this match was also still in my comfort zone it was yeah. bloody and everything but as you told me about the story about it and I saw how uh, engaged the people were <laughs> yeah. with Nick Gage that was great 
I think if you if you want to look at something that's like deathmatch wrestling that would disconcert you because I know you didn't watch this would be uh, so you're probably not going to because I'm saying you want to see someone that will fuck you up if you don't like deathmatch wrestling if you went back early in the show and watched uh, the Masada match that me and Hugh were just talking about that was deathmatch wrestling do you know what I mean that was um, you know just just constant like I think the thing with deathmatch wrestling a lot of the time it's the way people are getting wounded for me in deathmatch wrestling that makes the distinction it's very it's very difficult it's like it's like porn I don't know what makes porn porn from a from a from a kind of nudity and sex scenes in a film but I know it when I see it do you know what I mean it's um it's uh it's I know deathmatch wrestling when I see it and I think but a lot of the time it's stuff like like just laying into someone with a razor blade or something like not not even blading but just like openly using a razor blade on someone as a weapon or like fucking the cheese graters across the face and shit like that like that's deathmatch wrestling um i think skewers are a pretty big staple of deathmatch wrestling to be honest but yeah um although they're not as they're not as bad as some other ones but yeah anyway um after the match john moxley thoughts yeah, this this is what got me actually uh, into wa wanting to watch that match before before even before you asked me also uh, because I saw that clip that he just showed up there and then also words he said to Nick Gage and then I was like yeah I know John Moxley from CTW I know that he was also in the tournament of death and everything and then I didn't know if the uh, path of all of them crossed before but uh, there's about like in in about a month the new season of uh, dark side of the ring is about to come out and there will be an episode about nick gage and there's john moxley also in it so then i was Dude, like that okay. guy's got such a story to tell yeah, he was right. tailor made for dark side of the ring yeah right so that's yeah that's what i'm really looking forward to also but now then then moxley showing up there like uh, an evening before he was at blood sport no, two he lost a blood sport. Yeah, he, he lost that blood sport. Very yeah, clean. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, so, of course, it's clean because it's shoot style, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's great. Like, yeah, and it, that he still gets the opportunity to go to other promotions. And now this this is also very good also for AEW and just for wrestling to have him in, in these matches and other promotions now also showing up because uh, it's just, I don't know, it's great. Really, it's just great. It's just like like we. I, I think we talked about that also on that day. Like, wouldn't it be great? No, you you proposed that to have like an Olympic Games of wrestling also with all the promotions where you have one champion. That's the thing. Like WWE can like really lick my balls right now because they're so <laughs> irrelevant now in this world. They got really irrelevant in this world of wrestling because they got we cocky this, in that thinking yeah, we are we are wrestling and, and yeah. There was but, but they're not even mentioning. They they never say yeah we were never. They never say the word wrestling. They never say tell. Uh, that they are wrestlers they are superstars so they're just so far away from that and people want to see just wrestling there was there was a time when it was like they they had a point i don't i don't mean they had a point when they were saying we are wrestling but there was there was a there was there was a time especially during the dark period of new japan um where before tanahashi came and like saved them and then also long before the bullet club uh, the elite of the bullet club when which really brought japanese wrestling international and um you know all the all the the indie wrestling boom if you will as well the brit rest boom all of it do you know what i mean there was a time and, and obviously AEW. there was a time before all that when wwe could really say if you haven't come to wwe and you haven't like won the WWE title you can't call yourself the best in the world like fucking yes you can now do you know what i mean you do you absolutely don't need to be part of because they it used to be like everyone else felt lower because 
WWE was on top, and W it felt it felt like it felt like the wrestling world, the outside of WWE wrestling world, wasn't as legitimate because WWE wasn't a part of it. Now it feels like WWE is not as legitimate because it's not a part of the wider wrestling world because they've been so isolationist and just cutting themselves off from everyone. It feels like like this feels like a big deal and you're not part of it. That's fine, do you? But like you know, this feels like a big deal without you now. Do you know what I mean? We we would like to have you, but if you're not going to play you know do you that's fine you be sports and same and we'll be wrestling yeah right exactly exactly that's the point very well put on point also and they also they, they are the only ones who are saying they're doing really entertainment everyone else is just doing the sports thing and people nowadays are really more like if you're a real fan you're tuning in to more the sports related product than the entertainment product because the entertainment product got so far away from what it was in the beginning also what they were selling the product for they got so pg conform nowadays also this is, and this is the thing the, the there was a we've talked about this before on the podcast there was actually a lot of shit when you go back and look at the attitude era like people look at it through the rose colored glasses there was we've said before there was chubby chubby pee pee with yeah, uh, it was horrible at some some point some just, stuff yeah but but because it because of the age rating because they weren't pg-13 and i don't think i think WWE is supposed to be moving away from pg again but because they weren't pg back then they um they they could they had you know they they were attitude do you know what I mean? they had attitude it was the attitude era because they had attitude um and that was their selling point but and it led to some good shit but uh real good shit but um such good shit but uh yeah they, they they've lost something now and it's they i mean if they don't if they don't embrace the fact that there are if they just keep if they just keep denying the fact that they're a wrestling product it can only get worse for them to be honest i feel that just about brings us to the end of our show patrick we have been plagued by audio issues and we're hoping that our jesus our, uh, christ our savior hook no our savior jack can uh, <laughs> sort out the audio issues in post um, yeah, hopefully you can do some ginger magic on it please ginger magic love it um yeah i i i've been ending the show every time did you hear how i ended the show last time were you a fan of that yeah i like that yeah it was I think, really I think good you, i yeah. bet you've forgotten it yeah no, it was no, like, it was, i listened to it, it today a, to be honest <laughs> i finished it, it chorus, today. it was it was the, it was the choral version of i touch myself i do like the idea of ending ending the podcast on a song on a musical note but uh i'm just looking now what songs i've actually got i haven't got a lot loaded onto my sound pad um ah tell you what i do have from when we were doing a quiz we do uh so me and patrick and a few other friends including jack actually i can't believe i almost left him out of that and you do uh do wrestling quizzes uh every so often we do like a quiz league uh i'm always not always actually i've had a couple of times when i'm uh not been the host of it but i am the biggest loser essentially so i get that job but uh on my soundpad i do have uh entrance themes uh from f we have we have a round where you name like a less famous entrance theme of a wrestler and i, I do have some joe's on here which feels quite fitting for uh joe's old theme to play us out with his return to the indies so well i assume a return to the indies or return to non-wwe wrestling yeah definitely so, yeah I'll uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time, Patrick. Yeah, see you then. It was great having you here and uh, having me here. But uh, yeah, I miss Jack also. Like, yeah, I hope this 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 time continu continuity is not breaking apart at some point because of this. <laughs> yeah, right. Players out, big man. We'll see you soon. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> <laughs>